This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Celtic Loomis TV, the Balls and Bobble podcast with your host Mark and myself, Paul. On tonight's show, we will have a look at at some transfer rumours and gossip coming from Celtic media outlets. Michael, Michael Dundee from the forum will be joining us, uh, join us with his friend Jonas, who is a Dundee United supporter. Jonas will talk to us about uh, Scottish football as a whole and give us an outside view of Celtic this season. It's almost 10 weeks since Dominic Cray was apportioned Celtic uh, CEO of, of, of the club. Our question is to you guys on the live chat. Should he make a statement or is he right to be silent? And we're also asking for you guys to get involved with the show by Skype with Mark and come live to discuss the build-up between the next uh, Celtic and Rangers game on Sunday noon. Uh, of course, again, we'll be running through the live chat, so any topics uh, you're interested in, please get your opinions down on the live chat. Mark, off to some shout-outs. Oh, thanks very much, Paul. Thanks again for joining us. I know the hard work that you do behind the scenes. Shout outs to Tim Alloy, Young Ben, and well, a special mention tonight for ROH. He went through a pretty serious operation earlier the day, sir. We're all hoping and praying that that went okay and they can get back to fighting fit for what's for him. I was going to give Malik a shout out, but you said that he was maybe joining us in the live chat tonight, sir. Mm-hmm. We'll Hopefully. Yeah, I hope. Hopefully. There's Mikey and a Glasgow Green evening. Does it sound okay, guys? Ah, fine, fine. So, how's your, how have you been doing, Paul? I'm very good. Very good, Mark. Very good. I'm off now till next Tuesday, so I have a nice couple of days off, so looking forward to just chilling out and hopefully be excited on Sunday. You know? Oh, hopefully. I mean, are we going with a live watch along again, eh? Yeah, I think, yeah. If the guys are off this, if the guys in the live chat think we should uh, have another watch along, I think uh, I, 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 I do it. Uh, I agree with that. I think the last one went really well. was a safety, Paul. I think people thought it was that. I think people, the reason we got 2K viewers, because I'm sure people thought it was Roy Keane that was uh, doing the watch along or something. <laughs> I think maybe thought, people thought we were dealing with an illegal streaming as a game. Yeah, I think maybe that had something to do with it, but it doesn't matter. It's all views, even if even if there's zombies in here watching this, it just just adds up to the views, doesn't it? Mhm, mhm. On you go, carry on, Paul. So, firstly, before myself and Mark move on to show, we would just want to say something to yourselves. Uh, myself and Mark would like to apologise to our viewers for last Sunday's podcast. On the 25th, we had a guest lined up to come on the show, but the guest didn't show up. Uh, we generally thought this was a gen- genuine guest from the forum. 
This guest was out to sabotage the podcast on Sunday and sabotage the podcast as a whole. Myself and Mark have dealt with it. And in future, if it happens again, myself and Mark will deal with it accordingly. Uh, again, I apologise for what happened on Sunday, but we'll move on and let it go. Growing men acting like children, Paul. So yeah. Just move forget about it now, buddy. So we'll, uh, we'll start the show. So a few Celtic rumours coming out, a few bit of gossip. The journalist Dominic McGregor has come out today and said uh, that he's quite sure that the Eddie Howe deal is done. He's, he said he's positive. He has a source within the club. We don't know how true that is. He was on another podcast and he said it. And he said the hold-up is that Eddie Howe is in the process with Celtic negotiating his backroom staff. Do you think there's any truth to that, Mark? That that could be the hold-up, that they're not known to Eddie Howe because they don't have his backroom team? Well, we spoke about this the other night, didn't we? It's becoming mm-hmm. a Christmas wish list. All these things. Everyone seems to get onto it now, don't they? Uh, yeah. All these things that are holding it up, but they're nobody saying that it's moving. I mean, there's somebody saying, oh, it's a certainty it's going to, it's going to be Eddie Howe, but mm-hmm. his backroom staff. So there's no certainty that it's going to be Eddie Howe, because what if he doesn't sort out his backroom staff? Mm-hmm. If he's putting that as a priority, I'm coming. I mean, I've seen it's something other <coughs> supposedly Celtic are they're letting the manager pick two members of his staff and the rest of them will be Celtic appointed uh, Gabby and um, Abam uh, who came up uh, the fella Gabby Abam came up and said that weren't this was that's that, a, but uh, yeah, Gabby. how would they know and he says it's the way Celtic have worked that's not the way Celtic have worked no that's what he said he, he was talking to two two previous managers or something like that within the club Brendan Rodgers balling his whole backroom team and, and all these sports Ronnie Dyleball in all his own uh, sports science directors and everything so you Lennon the first time he was here brought in his own backroom staff with Big Mialby Parker Gary Parker yeah exactly so I, just, exactly. I, I just think it's going to be the how but all these rumours eh, and stories about oh this is what he wants and he's not coming if he doesn't get this to me it's, it's kind of really kind of like turning fans yeah. on any whole straight away like saying that this is why he delayed because he wants this He's not left bringing this this coach, that coach. That's really kind of saying like, if Eddie Howe doesn't want to be here, then don't you know that it's kind of torn Celtic fans to the. To me, all it is is people making up stories for clickbait articles and stuff like that. I'm not saying the guy that said it isn't he speaking the truth, but again, it's all the other articles that you read about what Eddie Howe's demanding and he wanted that boy Hughes as the director of football and he wanted this and he wanted that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been all sorted weeks ago. Exactly, exactly. So if we talk about that, coming on to the Dominic McKay topic anyway. So Norwich City have joined the race to sign Celtic's defender Christoph Eyer. Uh, Celtic have come out and said that youth player Manny Perez has now officially left the club for Portland Timbers and he will be loaned out to Austin FC for the rest of the season, the MLS. It's a shame that really marked that he's never actually played a game and the fans and, and us, we never got we never got a chance to see him considering our right back position has been atrocious the last number of seasons is hasn't it you know that we, we never quite got a look at him to see what he was about well, we've seen it before 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 we've
Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't try and sort that out before we actually signed him. Signed him. It's the same with Gooper, weren't it? That he's a rock visa as well, weren't it? That he couldn't play like it was. So, look, it didn't work out for him. He couldn't get the visa, but, you know, he, he said that it was a dream come true for him to sign for Celtic, and he, I'm pretty sure that he would have liked to play it, but this is what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting concerned with markets. Tottenham Hotspur are reportedly have monitored Celtic defender Ishmael Zorro. Even though Zorro has seen limited game time on at Celtic since signing, it's being reported that Tottenham Hotspur scouts have seen enough and see him as a potential defensive midfielder for their team next season. We, we don't know if it's true, but you couldn't blame Tottenham or any. I wouldn't say he'd be ready for them top four or six in England or that, but I don't see why you couldn't move to somebody like Tottenham just even what we've seen for him. Mm-hmm. It's a shame like that, like like if these clubs are are like um monitoring like if if there is any truth we don't know but like if these if like the Tottenham are monitoring him, how is he not playing in the Celtic first team, Mark? Do you get me? You know it's scandalous like as yeah. it's just again I've said that to me it's just done if favouritism and cronyism that Scott Brown's getting picked every week, especially when he's come out and announced that he's going to leave. We see if Sorrow comes in and then, I mean, maybe he'll turn out and he's not exactly the player we all, we all think of. Exactly. But for what I've seen him, he's definitely good enough as a squad player for us. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, this season, I would not play for We We need to just see if he's up for the last couple of games and especially the next uh, Stelkin Rangers game on Sunday. Like, just show him in there. He did well when he played in the the game two, two, was it two, two games ago, I think it was, in the last one. So, next room that's coming out, there's there's rumours that Celtic are interested in young boys, the striker Jean-Pierre Nissan. But due to the fact that there's no manager currently playing Celtic or starting or make an offer for the player, as he might not be suited to the manager's style of play. So, that's all the, 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 the rumours there. Uh, what you what you think about uh, not signing the player due to the, the manager? I think that makes a bit sense, Mark. Don't Definitely. You know, considering the, what we kind of the signings we've done over the last number of years, like just bringing players in just for the just for the sake of it, isn't it? Well, you know, well, we don't want to keep doing that. We've had enough of that over the years, but they can't just well. If Celtic are interested in them, there's no. We've not got any head of recruitment. We've not got a head scout. So who's who's registered Celtic interest? Exactly. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Maybe again, just a rumour is made up as a rumour. But we, you know, we 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 talked about the other day, and and I saw it on the forum as well, like that. Like even though there's no manager, there, work is still going on within the club. Like so, do you think the scouts are still actively out there? Scouting these players, even though there's no, there's no manager there, and they don't like the, the scouts don't even, don't, maybe they don't know who the manager is, Mark, at this moment, and they're scouting players that might even fish. Well, I think it depends on what, what level of player you're signing. I mean, see if you're signing a young guy for the English Championship or that, he's just going to be a squad player for now, probably. But mm-hmm. Bern, he's going to, to me, he's going to be a first choice player if you sign him. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand what the, what the kind of chain of thinking is at Celtic. They know just because 
we don't, well, as we've said, we don't know who's making the decisions, but that doesn't mean that there isn't somebody making them. Exactly. Well, I mean, if Eddie Howe is only arguing over how many coaches he's allowed to bring in himself, maybe they've went to, no, do you know what I mean? Maybe Eddie Howe's been telling them about players, saying, I will try and sign him for us, try this, go for this guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So maybe he, maybe there was a department there looking, they are waiting to the end of the season, we don't know what, what reasons for, but I'm sure Celtic have their reasons, and for Celtic fans, it's time to be kind of a little bit patient, you know, the, 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 I think, Mark, one of the best things about it is that we're not rushing into the decision in the manager. You know, they're actually taking their time, they're considering, considering things, you think? Do you think that's a good idea? Oh, definitely. Uh, consider, well, after what happened with the last appointment, where, I mean, they mm. went into that, they even admitted that they thought went into that. No, no, there was actually no one interviewed the, the last time, but no, it was just straight led in. They never even sat down with people to consider any candidates that time either. So they didn't, you know, you know, so I'm going to move on from the rumours. That's all we have for the rumours today. Look, we, we'll keep up to date, but again, it's all gossip and it's all rumours, so nothing's for definite. Uh, our fourth guest, two guests tonight, and this is something that we, Mark and myself, never tried, so we're going to do something different tonight. Uh, Michael, Michael Dundee from the Forum, and his friend Jonas, who is a Dundee United fan, uh, is coming on the show just to give us uh, an outside view of what other Scottish football fans think of the Scottish game and gives a view on the failings of Celtic this season and how they think they, they saw Celtic as as, a, as an outside uh, supporter, uh, what went wrong with Celtic this season. Mark, can you get uh, Michael and... You want to say? So I spoke to Jonas last night, and uh, I must say that what 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 this uh, lad was saying to me was uh, was very interesting. His thoughts about Scottish football, his thoughts about the, if the lads from um, Celtic Rangers moved away from the club, what effect that would have. And I also spoke to him about Dundee's chances of progressing in the league, and it was very interesting things what he was. Uh, he was saying to me last night, so I, I think he finds this interesting and what he has to say, uh, you know? You there, Mikey? Yeah, I'm there, mate, yeah. Uh, can, you, can you add Jonas? I've not got his contact on this. You there? Yeah, yeah no worries. I'm just, I'm just adding him now. Thanks, Thanks for coming on again, Mikey. Hello. All right. Yeah, you always do want to turn off your camera. Oh, how do I do that? Just hit the the the, the camera there. See it down again to Skype. All oh, right, right. Yeah, two seconds. Is that it now? Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. We don't want. I'm doing, it on, I'm, I'm doing it on a phone, so. <laughs> we we don't want Celtic fans knocking at your door, don't we? If we say anything bad here, to be honest. Thanks for joining us. No problem, mate. Thanks for having us on. Not a problem. So, you know, as I start there, um, as I talk, I said to the podcast, I talked yourself and Michael last night, and I, I found it very interesting what you have to say. So, first, we're going to start off about your thoughts on this failed European Super League and why it failed. And Well, I mean, let's just be realistic here. It was only 
it was purely it was purely greed driven. There was no other motivation than than that. Um, it was described as like a cartel or a closed, a sort of um, a closed sort of members club and stuff like that. And that's basically what it was. It was just billionaire owners trying to line their pockets at the expenses of their su- supporters and all the sort of history and the values that their clubs stand for, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like even, like, it wasn't even, like, the big teams in their leagues either, like, 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 and Spurs, like, they're, they're mid-table teams at this precise moment, like, so how were, how were they classified as uh, one of Europe's uh, biggest teams, you know? No, exactly, and uh, like I say, there's teams in, for example, just take England for example. Teams in the lower divisions, like the Nottingham Forest, that have won the European Cup twice and things like that, that are bigger than some of the clubs that are in mm-hmm. in that proposed Super League. So the whole thing was was just an absolute disgrace um, from start to finish, and then just absolutely riddled from top to bottom with hypocrisy at all levels, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Michael, do you think it's the last we've heard of this? This uh, European, uh, can we expect it to be to be popping up again? I think it, it's the last we've heard of the European Super League, but mm-hmm. like, as we'll move on to later in the show, it's, mm-hmm. it's only the start for the UK Super League, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But going back to the European Super League, what I found quite funny was um, just the sheer hypocrisy of Sky Sports and BT Sport calling it greed, etc. Especially Sky Sports, considering in 1992 it was Sky Sports who funded the breakaway so-called Premier League as it stands now in 1992. And it's because of people like Sky Sports that football's in the position it is all about money. Because it's them that mm-hmm. pay the stupid money. So for them to turn around and say it's just greed, I thought it was quite hilarious. Yeah, it, it would have been, it, it been a different story, I think, if uh, if they reported Sky Sky Sports to be uh, the, the the TV, to, to have the TV rights of this. It, it would have been a totally different story, you know? Uh, so just just moved on from from that and and um, it was what you were saying there uh, straight away after that it pops up again and it's not the first time this has popped up is this uh, UK domestic league and about Celtic and Rangers joining this UK UK uh, UK domestic league. Do you have a do you honest, do you have a fear for Scottish football if if uh, Celtic and Rangers actually did? join this uh, UK Super League if it, if it ever happened? Well, I mean, initially, it would obviously be a, a huge issue due to due to the fact that, like, a lot of people, like, you know, out with maybe out with Scotland or certainly in, like, you know, Europe will watch it on the basis of most people have heard of um, Celtic and Rangers and you would like to think they've heard of the likes of Dundee United and Aberdeen and clubs like that because of their European history, but for, like, the likes of TV revenue and and things like that, you know, it would certainly certainly be a shock to the system. Uh, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be something that, like I say, I don't think these these sort of if you were going to go down that route of doing a UK Super League, I think it would have to be it would have to be inclusive of all sort of teams within the UK. I don't think they should be given the right just to cherry pick who they want to be a part of this either. You know, it should be it should be put to all clubs if if something like that was going to happen. In my opinion, anyway, you know. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, that there, Michael, there last night, you know, that if the likes of Aberdeen and Hibonian went down to the, this UK Super League and if they had money, like there are two teams right, that are well capable to compete in if they had the finances of these uh, these these uh, English teams, 
you know, they're well able to, comp- to, to, to compete against them, aren't they? Yeah, well, like you say, Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, Dundee United, example, give the teams the same money that Bournemouth and that get. But, I mean, Bournemouth barely get 11,000 people in their, in their mm-hmm. stadium. And like you say, this whole like nonsense about England thinking they can just cherry-pick Scottish, the two Scottish big clubs just because it suits them because they want to change, that will never happen. It's either an all a UK, a UK Super League where all the Scottish clubs are involved or nothing. I agree with that. I said that myself the other night as well. Why is it only Celtic Rangers? Because it makes the English team's money. That's basically yeah, no. that's all. Yeah, that's if it's you said if it's going to be a UK wide league, it should be every team in the UK and a, a pyramid system. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, you can't put teams like Kilmarnock in the Premier League in England at that level, but just find their level down in England then, and that's the yeah. they're in. And like I said, I would love it as well because, <laughs> as we've all known for years, the the way the English media and supporters talk about our football, um, it would be a real shock to the system when they actually start seeing teams like Aberdeen and Dundee United and Hibs and that where they're getting the money and the players they can attract, that would be a real shock for some of the teams down there like that. You honest too, Max, aren't you? I'm just going to agree with that. It definitely would. I mean, we spoke before, even like Celtic getting down there after, what, say, five to ten years. Imagine how big Celtic could be by getting the money that they'd be getting in the kind of TV deals advertising sponsorships and that and no matter what team it is whether it is Aberdeen, Hibs, Dundee United or even a wee lower team like Aki's or Kilmarnock, they'd still be making more money than they're getting here and they'd still improve and the better these teams get the more people will come out around the grounds and go and watch them as well It'd be good as well with all the teams like this, some people in chat might not welcome a, a Super League at all, I'd welcome it on the fact that it's going to benefit us more than it's going to benefit them down there. Like you say, teams like Hamilton and that are getting the money that they would get. Think of the stuff they can do in their community, in their stadium and that. Mm-hmm. So it would just be a benefit. It would benefit Scottish football a lot more than it would benefit them. Like we'd be definitely getting the better end of that deal. And what about yourself, Jonas? Would you be, if, if Dundee United did get uh, an invitation to this uh, UK domestic league, would you... Be in favour of uh, Dundee United moving down to this 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 Super League. Well, it would all come down on the, the sort of the aspect of how fair play it was going to be, like financially and logistically and things like that. Because what you've got to consider, though, as well, with things like even a UK Super League, right? You consider a travelling supporter, for example, right? Say, for example, they say, right, today, like this weekend, Dundee United or Aberdeen or Hibs or whoever it is are going down to face like. Derby County, I mean, logistically, it's a lot of travelling, it's a lot of money for supporters to pay as well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, some people can't eat, like, there's a lot of supporters that, like, struggle to, like, you know, especially in this current climate, you know, find it hard to, you know, go to watch their team away from home a lot of the time, you know, so yes, you've got exactly. to factor that kind of into the equation as well. I mean, it's okay saying that the clubs are going to have the money, but... We'd, if this was going to be the case, then it would have to be made affordable for the supporters, so that it doesn't become that doesn't become a close shot to the actual fans. Yeah, that, that that would be a big issue, wouldn't it? That the, the likes of season tickets and ticket prices would rocket sky high because of this new uh, UK domestic league. You know that they'd be because we said Manchester United or Newcastle they have a set price, so 
the likes of Dundee would kind of be nearly matching that price. Do you know just the, you know, you know that that would be kind of a a real fair mark, wouldn't it? What do you mean, Paul? That like that they'd be up in their their season ticket prices. They kind of come more relevant to the, the likes of Manchester United and thing if they did join us. UK domestic. Could definitely put the season tickets up. That's a certainty. Mm-hmm. It's again what you're paying to watch. I mean, the, I mean, some of the season tickets down in England are crazy. The prices of Chelsea and that you're talking thousands of pounds. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've got to think Celtic. That's not sustainable. That wouldn't be sustainable for Celtic or Rangers to be charging season tickets because it's a different, but it's a different climate altogether we stay in. I mean, the price of living in London compared to the price of living in Glasgow, Chelsea can get away with that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you can't start, like you say, I think the cheapest season ticket at Chelsea just now is a thousand pound. That's the cheapest on offer at Chelsea. The season ticket is this? Yeah. Can you imagine paying a thousand pound for a season ticket? Well, that's 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 a person's, you know, to a lot of people, like that can be someone's monthly wage, depending mm-hmm. on where you work. You know, so you're asking someone to hand over a month's earnings to watch 19 games of football, you know. It's just, and then on top of that, you might have your Sky subscription, your BT subscription, your Premier Sports subscription. And just because, I just look, it's starting to look like football's just sort of pricing customers out. And at the end of the day, we're the ones that pay the, fan, like the players' wages. So if, if you, you know, take the fans for granted, then eventually you won't have any football to watch because you can't price the people that keep football going out of it, you know. <laughs> You just, need to look at, you just need to look at teams like Man City. Look how much they've won. And look at the players on, on offer and they still can't afford their stadium. That's exactly. 50,000 or less. They still can't afford their stadium. You could see the same with West Ham as well. Like they, I know they have a big huge stadium, like, but they, they can't fill that London stadium either, West Ham. No. You know? They're not big enough. They're not big enough. I mean, I'm very surprised that it's even getting talked about this UK Super League. Because if we, like teams like West Ham and even Everton and Leicester and that, the sort of the set of names are coming down there. Like like Mark says, within five ten years, like they'll be well out of sight and out of mind. They, I, I'm surprised that they would want Celtic Rangers down there, especially. But why is it you think they want them down there, Michael? Is it just revenue or? That's exactly it. That's all it is money. Mm-hmm. And who like who would benefit that obviously? Sky Sportsman because they'll have all these rights to us and and stuff like that. Like you know, but it'd be benefit. Would it be benefit to the club as well? Getting all their more revenue into the club and I think it would benefit. I think it would benefit. Like I said, every Scottish team because the money that would be coming in through TV revenue right down to even the lower divisions. It doesn't just help like the the team, the eleven players on the pitch. It's the whole community that it helps. I mean, you just need to look at okay, Man City are. Like where Man City are placed in Manchester it was an absolute dump before the owners took over there. And you just need to go. I, I was down a few years ago, and you just need to look at like the surroundings and that. It's like unbelievable the change in the money that's went into the community. Mm-hmm. Like Terence Casey there has a good point here in in this in this like he says, uh, just look at the four teams in the Champions League semi-finals, all money teams like, and and these teams have spent big. And you have Paris Saint-Germain, you have Man City, who still have yet to win the Champions League, even though all the the, the millions that they've spent on players, and they still haven't won uh, the Champions League. Like, like money can't really buy you 
a trophy. Like I mean, it's 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 down to the manager and, and things like that as well. Like it's 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 not all about money. Like it's, so, so it's not Mark, you know. Money will take you a hell of a long way, but it doesn't make you a winning team as such. No, not that kind of level. Leicester the other year winning the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? When it's see when you're getting see like when you get to the kind of higher level, like we're talking about all these elite clubs that are getting the crazy money. To me, then they're all together, but then it comes down to football decisions. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid, except they, they sold Ronaldo at the right time. People say things like that. Do you know what I mean? So I thought the money helps you get to that level, but if you want to be one of the top top sides, you need to be making the right choices in the football side of yeah. as well. and then like in saying that then like look what happened to the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona because they played these big big wages and the two of them have struggled during this pandemic you know that they actually need they were, the, they were the main two teams really who actually needed this European Super League than, than anyone else involved was Real Madrid and Barcelona because of the the, the billions of debts that they were in well Liverpool as well Liverpool were bad financial mess in as well. So they were really, Liverpool and Man United were really pushing it in England. Yeah, they were pushing it, yeah. And Chelsea and Man City weren't interested. Oh, well, Their hand was forced. Ed, Ed number two, he's well in it with football folk and that, and he says that Chelsea felt that they were, it was what they were offered, it was a misrepresentation, as if they mm-hmm. were folk, even it was laid out the plans at the beginning and that. It was what happened, wasn't it what they'd been planning to do, kind of thing. So that's one of the reasons that Chelsea stepped back for it, wasn't he? They hadn't agreed to what, the, what was going on with the court cases and that. Well, you you only have to look at who was actually like Florentino Perez, the Real Madrid jitter, when obviously was the the biggest advocate and was trying to force it through. And he's still coming out this. I think he came out this week and still said that they signed a binding contract. And like you know what I mean, he's one of those boys that he'll stand on a church rooftop and shout down at he'll call to anyone that's that's willing to listen to him. Because his club's in a billion euros debt, so how's he going to service that debt by that six billion or seven billion of that JP Morgan were pumping into this Super League? Barcelona are in, into the eight or nine hundred million euro debts. This was just a quick way for these owners to try and service their eye-watering debts and cover up for years of mismanagement and years of paying astronomical wages that weren't sustainable. And now that they're in this position. That that was that. That's all it was. It was not to do with saving football and all this nonsense that Perez came out and said. Young people between 18 to 24 aren't interested in football. We've got legacy fans. We've got a new generation. That's all absolute codswall up to cover up for their iniquity at running these football clubs. And that's all it is. Like, yeah. So I've been interested here from um, from uh, from from there in the live chat, and he said, I think Scottish football. Would be would be better off without the, the without the the top two, because it'd be more competitive and would bring supporters back into Scottish football. What do you think of that, to be honest? That it's well, said, yeah, said, no, no, sorry, uh, yeah, and absolutely, he definitely has a point there, um, because if you think about it, right, you take for example Dundee United, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, all going for the title. All of a sudden, you're probably increase the gates because people have got more interest because you, you, you could have six or six teams that could win the league so I could see obviously his point of view there I mean it, would, it probably would increase the gate numbers and stuff like that the only like I say it just depends on what sort of what people are willing to pay to watch and what kind of quality player you could attract but it would certainly definitely put put, um, put numbers on the gates That's, there's no denying that yeah but I think it, it would 
Matt, you think it would take away the appeal of the Scottish game then if Celtic and Rangers pulled out of it? You know, because that's really what attracts kind of uh, the outside I think it would take a lot of away for the game, but I think it would still survive. Just a different level for than it's at the now. Do you think that... If Sky, if Sky, if Celtic Rangers left, I were willing to just put, even see the same money they're putting in the now, which is just peanuts really, we all know that. But if Sky were willing to back a, a, a league without Celtic Rangers with the same money, that would be that would be a good thing for Scottish football going forward. Letting these teams like Dundee United and that challenge for the league. But, I mean, getting into the Champions League, it would be a tough ask, but who's to say that they couldn't do it once in a blue moon? So it's, but if it's good points and it's bad points, I mm-hmm. still think Celtic's a Scottish team and that's where we should be. Mm-hmm. I was just going to bring that to... Unless, unless it's a full mixture, as I said there, between all the leagues. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't really want to see Celtic and Rangers leave Scottish football and leave the rest of them to fend for themselves. I don't yeah. think if, if, if Celtic were to leave Scottish football and go to a British league and left the time, then that would be me done. That's as bad as the European Super League, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Because like that would be the day, like, uh, I understand what you're saying, Mark, that it would, and Jonas, that would maybe, Scottish football would maybe like get more interest in that from clubs' fans and stuff, but I think Celtic and Rangers leaving and leaving the rest behind, I think would, the Scottish League would end up as bad as like Iceland and like I think it would go back that far because Sky, once that deal expired, they would just cancel it, there'd be no TV venue, there'd be nothing. Exactly, that they were only kind of in their way for the, the Celtic and Rangers games and, and you know, so they get down the route easily, letting like a Colts team or Celtic Rangers B team compete in Scotland, 12 or main yeah. teams away chasing flashing their knickers as somebody says no I mean based yeah. oh, some, you said it there Mikey I said it as well what's the difference between all these teams that were getting get away to join the European Super League and Celtic Rangers and getting away because it, it's not like a British League if it's just the Rangers that they're going to join exactly. like say, it's got to be like an all all or nothing like, yeah, now, I actually would believe that Celtic would say that as well like it says it needs to be the backlash from the fans would just be too much. It'd be exactly the same. Like, <laughs> and you just need to look at the, the out, the out, which is ironic, like it says, because Arsenal and Man United and Man City fans having protests is, like it says, the fact that they were having the protest over what was going on. But exactly the same thing happened about 20 years ago when Sky took over. Like I say, the hypocrisy of the fans down there is unbelievable. But they were all included then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Talking about it, wasn't it? They weren't offering six teams or two teams an out to come and join your big fans in your league. They offered the 20 of them the breakaway chance, and so they were no, I th- I, and they all bought the bullet for it. Yeah, Mark, I, I think I think at the start of the Premier League breakaway, I'm pretty sure that there was only a few teams that were offered it to start with. Well, you might be right. You might be right, Mike. Do you, do you, know, you know more on that, do you? Well, I, like, again, I would have to go back and like research it and that, but. If I'm, if I'm correct, and I, I might be talking utter nonsense here, but I'm sure it was the five bigger teams were offered a bigger cut. They probably offered all the teams, Mark, right? But what they probably did was to say to the top five, like, they'll grease their palms or whatever and give them a bigger cut. You know what I mean? So they maybe got offered a golden handshake and say, we'll bring these other teams along with us. But what we'll do is we'll sort of, we'll give you a bung and you'll get a wee bit more sort of weighed in than the other clubs. 
I believe it might have been along those lines, you know. Because I know the, the money down there, I don't know if it's still the same, but it was off. It was awfully heavily weighted to how many games you had on the television. Correct. And Obviously, Man United, Liverpool, they were all the top, but the bigger teams that were on the television all the time. Yeah, so I would imagine they got a bigger a bigger share of the purse, as it were, you know. And I've seen fans down there say, like, the greed and, like, this, that, and next thing, but see when they're playing, like... Average players over a hundred grand a week. That all adds up. Mm-hmm. And like you say, no matter how much they can get their hundred and fifty million, two hundred million a year from TV revenue. If you're playing average players over a hundred grand a week, then eventually some it's gonna it's gonna come to the end, and that is exactly what's happening. Because if these six clubs joined that that Super League, then that would be the death of English football. With the death. Just what we said about Scotland there, if these six went away, the TV money would dry up and that would be the rest of them left struggling down there. Mm-hmm. That's why, like you say, if Celtic was other fans in the chat and that might be different. But if Celtic did agree to Super League along with Rangers and left everybody behind, then that would be me done with the Scottish game. Like, uh, I'd be going watch my local teams. <laughs> so, I'm going to move on from the domestic leagues and the Super League and uh, I just want to ask you all this about the the, the Champions League for, formers, how it's actually made it impossible for teams like Celtic who won their domestic leagues to qualify for the Champions League group stages when when we're, when you have top top three and top four teams already qualified, when Celtic then have to go through this horrible four qualifiers to get into the group stage. Well, yeah, sorry, on you go, mate. Yeah, okay, well, I was just want to say you're honest. Yeah, no, well, uh, like, again, the, the clue's in the name. It's called the Champions League. Like, I don't understand. If you win your domestic league, if you're a European team and win your domestic league, you should, the first, the top should be an automatic, and maybe depending on your coefficient, maybe the top five leagues get their second team in. But there's absolutely no reason that, you know, there should be five, four or five teams you know, you get rewarded for finishing fourth and everything like that. Because, again, it all boils down to money because you are looking at these clubs and thinking, right, who brings who, who brings most to the table? So they're going to look at the likes of the Belgian League, the Scottish League, the Czech League, the Belarus League, the Latvia League, and think they're not going to bring in the same revenue as the Bundesliga, Serie A, the Premier League, you know? And I think that competition itself has lost a lot of its dignity as well because... That became a super league, as it were, in a manner of speaking, as well. When they decided that it was only when they started, off, you know, they started offering places to teams finishing fourth in a competition called the Champions League. Mm-hmm. It should just be called the UEFA League or something then, if that was the way that they were going down. Because surely, being the champion of your country, what other, what incentive is there to try and win your league if you've you've then got to go and cart yourself through the armpit of Europe to, to you know? You know, you've got you cover tens of thousands of miles to maybe not even make the competition. I, I just don't see there's any fairness in that whatsoever eh? for anybody. And not just Celtic. I'm just talking about any team in Europe <laughs> out with the top leagues. You know, exactly. It's just it's it, it's exactly what you said. Like it's like another version of the Super League, really. You know, just like get the bigger teams into the group stages and have them into the the, the, the qualifiers and semi-finals, Michael. In this. Every single European league, every winner should get automatic qualification to the Champions League, no matter how small or anything. It's the Champions League. 
all champions of Europe should be involved. If they get put out in the group and that's fitting fine, they've earned the right to be there. But Celtic are a prime example. Four qualification rounds, I think it is now. And mm-hmm. that's what we were talking about last night, obviously, before but we were on tonight. See some of these and it's, So sorry, and on you go, for sorry. And, and it's just um, like what we're talking about. Before, like, pre, like the season's just ended. They barely get a couple of weeks off. Then they're back into pre-season because qualification starts that early. The players are just not getting enough rest either. It's just unacceptable to, like, they've got no life. And I understand people say footballers get paid that much money. But you kind of have two, three weeks off and then that's it. Then you're back into pre-season a couple of weeks and then you're into qualification. No mm-hmm. wonder, like it says, the last few years I've struggled in Europe. There's too many games. Mm-hmm. Mark? Well, what I was going to say was, I think some of you actually come down to a bit of snobbery for these big teams. One of the guys mentioned there about playing teams in the arm pit of Europe. I mean, we've seen some of the places Celtics had to go and play. Can you imagine Real Madrid and Man United rocking up these places with their private jets and do you know what I mean? Just to their big five-star luxury hotels and they're rocking up in places like Taboo. It's like that. I, I know they're, they're, they're like they're, they're smaller teams and, and say are you expecting Celtic to, to beat these teams but they're, they're, they're tough games for like when you haven't really had a proper pre-season behind you yes and you're still getting the grips of fitness just after coming back from two three weeks off like they're tough games to be playing in these qualifiers as you said back when you're travelling to the armpits of Europe and and stuff like that Mark isn't it? These big superstars get their full, basically their full summer holidays. While got all because you're Celtic, you play in a lower league, you're only getting a couple of weeks off, and then we're going to send you to this hellhole where it's, do you know what I mean? Scorching hot and up at young kind of altitudes and that. Whereas Real Madrid, we just didn't, we're no, we're Real Madrid, we're not going to play these teams. I think that's kind of one of these reasons. What money? How? What kind of money would we get playing against them? Exactly. Like, remember, I think it was not last year, the year before when we played that Sarajevo in qualifying, and we played the team at Kazakhstan. I think we've been to Kazakhstan twice now, and teams like that. But that's what I mean, like, 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 like teams like Sarajevo and that, they've won their domestic league, and they're the champions of the league. No matter what country you're from, if you're based in Europe, then, like you say, the champions of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Scotland, England, France. All the champions should be into the Champions League. That's just my opinion, anyway. And why do you think, Mark, that the UEFA aren't doing it that way, putting all these... Would they not get enough revenue themselves if they, they had all these? They're just trying to keep all the big teams happy. That's all UEFA are doing. They're just trying to see these teams that are pushing for the breakaway and things like that. UEFA's... They're just bending our bending our backwards trying to help these teams to keep these teams on side. So all these crazy ideas that UEFA's coming out with, this is all just to help them keep keep these big teams in their tournament. They don't care about football and such. They care, all they care about is money and revenue. And I mean, even UEFA, they should have just come out and blasted the European Super League out of the way. Just said it's never happening on, on our watch, and they've no because they're cowtowing, cowtowing or cowtowing, whatever you say. Still down to these bigger teams that are making demands. We don't want to do this. We don't want to play the big teams that are going to get us better advertising, get us better revenue streams. That's all it comes down to. That's mm-hmm. 
UEFA, UEFA just, I mean, the UEFA's got a cheek to take the moral high ground or anything. Mm. But yeah. they're, they're trying their best to hold it together the best they can against um, really, really strong opposition. Am I right in saying that Scotland will, next season will have an automatic position, Jonas, on, on qualification? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, so the winners of the league. This, the winners of this season, I believe it is, go straight into the Champions League and then the team coming second. I'm not, don't quote me on this, I'm not 100% sure if this is the case. It may be that they're into like the second or the, the they've only got to play the playoff um, round to get into the group stage. And um, also with the, the way the Scottish Cup's working is the winner of the Scottish Cup is guaranteed European football now until... The, the because there's no like Rangers or Celtic are, out, are guaranteed European football into December now. So if you win the Scottish Cup, you get into the playoff, the two leg playoff to go straight into the Europa League group stage. And if you lose that, you get parachuted into the, the Europa Conference, which is the new European the new, competition. The tower one, yeah. Yeah, and you go straight into the group stage. So that'll be there's big money at stake for someone for winning, winning the Scottish Cup as well, because it's European football guaranteed for one of those clubs as well, you know? And we say, don't you know, we say, if Celtic won the league and Celtic won the Cup, would it be the same in in in, in England? That's, you say, if Manchester United won the Cup and they're playing Newcastle, but Manchester United won the league, Newcastle would qualify. Would that be the same in Scotland? Or I'm not sure how, how it's worked in those leagues, I think, because of their coefficient and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's is just the sort of status quo. I believe if, if for example, say Man United won the league, and then they played New, like or Man United were fifth or something or fourth, Newcastle would then maybe get into the Europa League based on the fact that uh, Man United were already guaranteed European football yes. through their group yes. through their actual league position. So I think it probably works similar to that, but I don't see it being as big a sort of diversity because obviously theirs is heavily weighted in favour of their sort of coefficient so they've got the private members clubs that are guaranteed four entries every season you know yeah yeah. so, so next season Mark is a bit easier for whoever qualifies for the Champions League is it? Uh, well if you have automatic qualification next season for the top Scottish team sir that's a big thing Celtic need to make sure that it's them that get that so I'm going to move on from the Super League Domestic League and Champions League and First, I want to talk about just, just get to Jonas that he's talk about Scottish football as a whole and how do the the Scottish Scottish FA make it more appealing? Should they make the league bigger to have uh, teams playing each other less? Like instead of playing Celtic and Dundee four times a year, have Celtic and Dundee play twice twice a year? Jonas, do you think that would uh, restock the league? That Scottish Fair could have tried to approach Sky for more revenue? Well, I mean, it's got its benefits on more than more than one level. It, you would automatically see more revenue because I, I don't think fans like seeing the same, you know, in say, some seasons you can end up playing the same team four times, twice at home, twice away, or even depending on the way the league splits, you might have one team away three times and then at home once or whatever. So a 14 or a 16 team league with everybody playing each other home and away once would get, generate more interest as well because fans would actually want to... I mean, with, with utmost respect to a lot of these clubs, how many... Like, 
nobody wants to go to Hamilton or, or something like that on a Tuesday night if you're from Aberdeen or you'll get them maybe the sort of a, a thousand diehards and that but mm-hmm. I think it would just be more appealing and I think it would because there'd be more com- competition you'd get to see more games more games would be you know the, 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 the people that were watching the games would see more of a diverse sort of range of fixtures and stuff like that I think it would just it would benefit the the revenue through the gates I would I would think would go up and like I say it would it would be a better product in, in general you know just because you wouldn't be playing each other so many times. I think that's that's what kills a lot of people's interest, you know? Mm-hmm. Michael? I would love for it just to be a three-tier league and just expand, expand the league. I don't think people actually realise how big clubs like Wraith Rovers and Airwall can actually be. Um, like I said, I, I, this playing like up at Ross County twice a year and that, I mean, I, I've been up to Ross County once and I'll only ever be back once. It's in the worst stadium that I've ever been to. <laughs> and, um, it's just the journeys and that all the time. It's just too, it's just too too repetitive. The, the league's too small. Mhm. Mark, you thoughts on this? I agree with Mike. I think the league's too. It's just it just it really does. There's just that many games. That, it's just just meaningless games, pointless games. You can, even the players must be bored with playing the same teams four times a season, I think. You understood we talked last night that a uh, couple of seasons back, Celtic played Dundee, was it three times in one week or something? Aye, the, was the, the, way the, the way the cup draw happened, we ended up playing four times in a week because the first leg and the cup ended up being a draw as well. And then there was a midweek league fixture in between and then the cup replay ended up being like the following weekend so I think it ended up being something like four games in ten days or something like that and you're, I think Michael touched on this it ended up just boys ended up just getting started getting their boot weighed in because players were sick of seeing each other that many times as well it just became it just mm-hmm. became a disgrace like you know and like, like um, I like what Mark said there it breeds boredom it does because it, 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 I mean Clubs that obviously rely heavily because we don't have the biggest TV deal, right? They'll rely on a, what they get through the gates. So if, if if you're asking someone to travel, like I mean, I go to most like well, 99% of the away games and stuff. But it, it is a big commitment, and like you say, if, if there's a bit more variety, if you think, oh, see today I'm going to race, <laughs> and then the following day I'm going away to you know. Ross County or something. At least there's a bit of variety. You're not going to the same grounds repetitively. So I agree on that. No, that's no Yoda. Before you start moaning at my weed. Is that, your, is that the worst ground you've been to, Mikey, Ross County? I was like... That, I didn't want to say too much, Mark, because you've got a soft spot for Hamilton, but... Uh, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can go to Sainsbury's and then just walk around and watch Aki's for the big hill. You can do your... It's not so much the stadium in that of Ross County, it's just that drive. I didn't get it wrong, the top of... Like, I, I love like, going up there in the north of Scotland... Uh, the 500 thing like when you did in the Cambervan and that but the actual like just Ross County and it's just I, I, I just hate going up there like you said yeah. I've only ever been once but I'll never be again 
I mean, yeah. going to Dunfermline, we went to Dunfermline one Saturday, and the train, and the train just stops in the middle of a park. So literally, the train station's in a park, and we got, we got, off, we got off the train, didn't have a clue where we were going. I was really quite young at the time, just spoke with the crowd, but it was, it was like right in the middle of a housing scheme. That's really basically where it was. See, like you see them doing in England, just turn a corner, and there, Everett was ground stone in there. That's what that was like up at Dunfermline. That was a weird one, that for me. Yeah. All you say is, um, like getting teams like Race Rovers, Dunfermline, Air, Falkirk, and they, they're, they're reasonably big Scottish teams. They can easily have a 16 league. Like, I don't know how it would be divided up into the three leagues, but you can easily extend that league by four or six teams to play each other twice a season. Do you think that's, a, do you think that's why the, 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 kind of, the, the boys has gone out of Celtic Rangers games because we play, play each other too frequently? You know, uh, we were growing up like there was only kind of two games. And, like, there were festive games, like, and, and that seems to kind of have gelled out over the years. You know, the, the bite between the hard tackles, like, it, it seems to have gelled. Is it just a modern game, the way it is now, or is it due to the fact that we're playing each other too regularly, uh, Michael? Um, I, 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 I know a lot of people like the Glasgow Derby, as it's now called, but I don't like playing them four times a year. Like mm-hmm. I said, even coming up to Sunday, even if we were top of the league and cleared the 20, 30 points, it's still that slim chance of getting beat. Like I say, it's getting beat from them. It puts me on a... Like, I'm on edge before the game, and then if it's a loss, then that's me on a downer for two or three weeks. Because it just it actually goes on for two or three weeks after you get beat. Like yeah. it's playing them twice is more than enough for me. And what about you, Jonas? Uh, in your local, um, your local derby against Dundee, like, what were you after games? Like, are you like the, the Celtic fans or the... That we be in a down if we lose to two Rangers for a couple of days. Are you like that, or is there kind of a mutual respect between your supporters? Nah, like I mean, listen, where I work, I work like I, like there's a lot of guys that are United and Dundee, so I've got to face the pelters the same as anybody else does if we get beat. But like I say, the way things are just now, I wouldn't mind playing Dundee four times a season because it'd be a donation, a, a guaranteed three points every time. So I'd be happy <laughs> enough. <laughs> I used to say that about Rangers. You used to say that. You used to say that. <laughs> you used to work, yeah. I like the way you said that. <laughs> you know? So I moved on for that there. So, and uh, I'm going to bring up um, a lot of Celtic fans this year, Jonas, have been, and not just this year, but many years have been complaining about the standards of refereeing in, in Scottish football. But this year we started to kind of notice it more because things were going against us. And I, a lot of it's down to all for, but you can't deny the fact that a lot of decisions that the referees are making this year have been atrocious. What's your view on the standards of referee in Scottish football? I think the standards are absolutely horrendous, if I'm being honest with you. And like I say, that's not just like obviously you as this is this is fan bases right across the country. I mean, mm-hmm. people would probably look at after that Aberdeen game at the weekend when we won three 0 People would probably say I've got a hard neck to moan about Kevin Clancy, but his performance was absolutely. Shocking, like, eh? Like, people would say, "What are you complaining about? You won three 0 You're in the semi-finals of the cup. Stop greeting." But I'll tell you, some of the, some of the, um, you'd have been as well having Stevie Wonder in charge and then Ray Charles running the touchline because, like, some of the decisions you're just sitting there going, "What planet are you actually on?" Like, eh? Especially when they have a clear view of what's going on, and you know, and, and it's horrendous how they actually miss these 
basic decision, did this? Yeah, that's what I mean. See if it was, see if it was like you know something that was an offside that was like millimeters, and it's hard to tell, and you know, and in, in real time on a split second decision. But they're getting blatant decisions wrong week in week out. See how many times you watch sports scene, and every single week they're discussing some sort of. Uh, like an either a, a, a shocking penalty decision or a red card that was missed or a goal that should have should have been given because it was offside. It's just I think it's deteriorated as the years go along. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember, but remember a few years ago there was um, a weekend when the referees went in strike over pay and they drafted in foreign refs mm-hmm. to referee all the Scottish games. I think we had Aberdeen at home that weekend. I don't know. Again, I might be wrong, but I can't even remember where the lad was from that we had. But the guy had a great game. And I just remember people, there wasn't an uproar that weekend as much. Like Everybody said that like the foreign refs come in and they were all full-time refs, UEFA refs and whatever. And the standard was just so much better than what we're getting here. Either make them full-time and pay them more money and give them proper training or then start trying to gain them better training. There's got to be action taken because you've seen horrendous decisions week in, week out, in my opinion. Mark, were you saying something about that? Actually, the official podcast about, about bringing in Foreign referees into the Scottish game, won't you? I think the referee should be it should be a UEFA register rather than like the the FA's own, like the SFA and the English FA putting up referees. It should be UEFA that's appointing these referees and training them. And I, a lot of their levels, there will be some big guys like in Hamilton or Dundee that will referee like a Scottish first division game or something like that, but it will still be under UEFA conditions. He'll need to train to a certain level and prove to UEFA that he's capable of doing that. And then, at the top, at the bigger end of the game, it should be, for me, it should be foreign officials that are brought in. UEFA again, running it, and it should be like, I don't know, obviously it'll be probably be tiers again. You'll have the big six leagues, and then Scotland will be in tier B probably. But there's no reason that Scotland shouldn't be getting referees in for, say, Belgium, take referee games. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll make the referees better referees as well because they're going to bit from country to country and seeing the different ways that football is played in different countries Exactly, and there's no kind of emotional contact to any team either as well Mark, isn't there? Well that's you know? well because I've said, we've said it before, I don't care you could, you're going out the right referees are professionals again as we said like football <laughs> even if you're going out there if I'm going out there to referee a Celtic Rangers game I, I can be sitting there in the changing room saying to myself, I'm going to do my best here, I'm going to try and get every decision right. But see, at the end of the day, your in inner mind will play tricks on you. Do you know what I mean? You're still going to show some kind of bias, I think, if it comes to things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what are your thoughts on um, maybe foreign referees coming to Scottish football and, and so on? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What can you do? Oh, you're back now, Mike, I think. Sorry, yeah, no, I put myself on mute because my bulldog started to snore, so I needed to put him out of the room, and when he starts snoring, he can snore the house down. So. Yeah, I was just saying, Michael, what's your thoughts on what Mark was saying, that maybe the referee should be appointed by by UEFA to come into different leagues? And... Oh, you see, they heard what Mark said there, and I'm, as, a, like, as a supporter of Celtic for 34 years, and I put myself in the refereeing situation, it would be impossible for me to be impartial refereeing a Celtic Rangers match. Impossible. No matter, like, before the game thinking, right, it's just about getting the decision right in the game, like you said, Mark says. There's no chance that you're going to be able to referee that game 50-50. And like you said, with the stuff that came out with the garden, like, like, Madden and stuff, and, like, his past to the garden, certain things that were in the papers and pictures that have been leaked in that, a certain pub season and that, how could he be impartial when refereeing the matches? Exactly. But exactly. Back to what Jonas was saying about just the standard across the board, Celtic Rangers fans will pounce on the referee and he's either a Fenian B or an Orange B. But see up and down the country every week, these mistakes are going on, but we don't see them unless we watch sports scene or catch the highlights yeah. the specific incident on Twitter. But these total random decisions, wrong decisions, they're going on at every ground across Scotland. It's just a could, highlight. Yeah. The Hamilton manager came out the other week and had a rant about it. He even said, uh, I don't know the name of the guy at the SFA, but he says, oh, you try to phone him up, he never phones you back, because it's only Hamilton. That's basically what that Billy Reid came out and said. The SFA aren't interested in any complaints Sackies have got about refereeing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about them too much, but how could a, a, a club go through the whole season, and I couldn't actually believe it until I got, got to the stats last night, go through a whole season without one red card? Mm-hmm. That is but, unbelievable in a league season not to receive one red card. Especially you can, the way they play, their style of play, how aggressive they are. Just look at the off in Europe. And the difference in Europe then, how many bookings and sending offs they have in Europe. You know, you, you can see the difference in the, the referees, all right, can't you? Only you know? in Scotland, can a penalty be awarded without VAR? No VAR involved, by the way. A penalty is awarded, the guy's away to take the penalty, then all of a sudden the referee blows and cancels it and says, no, it's no penalty. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Did the, the referee make his debut on Sunday? Uh, Nick Nick Walsh, you think it was his first, it's going to be his first old form? Are you, do you think he's going to be up for it or will he be like the rest of them and, and pull out, fail to make a, a big decision in the game? I don't know. Like I said, maybe Jonas is better asking because he's maybe seen him more at done the United match of the season. Jonas? Walsh and I've not really, I don't know much about him. Um... Personally, I'm not a, I'm not a, a huge fan of Nick Walsh. He, he comes across as one of those referees that likes to sound his own voice or his own whistle, if you know what I mean. He, he's one of them that like likes to be the centre of attention. Yes. Like that, that yeah. I'd, and I mean, like I say, I'm just going by the games he's refereed with United. But don't get me wrong, he's certainly not the worst that we've had. But he's um, I'm 
again, it might be totally different, but I, I've not had great experience with him personally. There's a few games that have stuck in my craw over the time that he's been in charge of, like, you know? Mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the, the base will be will be out on, on Nicholas Watch on Sunday after the game, if, if, if he has a good game or not. So we'll we move on to referee. So, Jonas, being a, being a Dundee supporter, like, what would take your club? Like, I know you came up this season, you survived, and that, that should be classified as an achievement for yourself, so come back into the Premier League and stay up. But what would take you to that next step to third, fourth place in the league? And, and why did it take you four years to get back into the, the, the Premier League? Well, um, like you say, um, as far as uh, t- starting off why it took us so long to get back into the league, was it was just our outgoing chairman, uh, Stephen Thompson, it was just horrendous sort of mismanagement of the club's finances from top to bottom. It was a point in a string of dud managers um, and allowing them a chance to dish out like you know ridiculous contracts, and then what we were having to do is we were having to rebuild every summer. You, you, sometimes you see 13, 14, 15 players going out and having to sign the same sort of numbers coming back in. There was no stability. Previous regimes were hindered. Well, managers were hindered by the fact that their summer budgets were impacted on having to rip up the contracts of set duds that got offered two and three year contracts. I mean. At one point, we had an influx of like Dutch players coming over when Ray McKinnon was in charge, and recruitment just it was just abysmal. Like the whole club was just an absolute shambles from top to bottom. And, mm-hmm. and then obviously we went big with spending last season, went in and got Shankland, and obviously we're paying big dough to get us promoted. Um, but at a club like Dundee United, someone of our sort of stature, probably the fifth, sixth biggest club in Scotland, like historically certainly one of the biggest clubs. I mean, for us to be languishing in the championship for that long and be as poor as we were was wasn't shouldn't be acceptable. And again, that's not a sense of entitlement from me being like, oh, we're done to United, we should be doing this, that, and the next thing. But there shouldn't be that sort of that 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 just shouldn't be allowed to happen, like to to that sort of sort of club, like you know. Mm-hmm. They should be fighting for third place in the league. We, we should be, yeah, that's correct, Mark. I mean, even going to say their history, and that is the size of the club. Dundee United are a big club in Scotland. And I mean, they've won a European stuff in that as well. So they're, they're a recognised. You know what I mean? They're not just a wee Mickey Mouse kind of team. Dundee United should be higher than they are pushing for at least third place in the league. Well, that's correct, yeah. Because and if you look at the money that we pay out, we probably pay behind the uh, Rangers, Celtic, um, uh, Hibs, and Aberdeen this season. We're we're the highest spenders. And okay, it hasn't probably clicked this season. And I'll just about you know I will give Mickey Mellon the sort of benefit of the doubt for for next year. I mean he's got us to you know a cup semi final. Okay, we're steady in the league and stuff like that. But next season with fans in that back in some of the stuff that we've watched this season, you won't get away with that when there's seven or eight thousand people in the stadium like you know, and they won't get away with that style of football. Next season's about pushing on like eh? we've steadied the shit this year, so there needs to be progress seen next year. That's that's for sure. Do you think that's what happened to Celtic this season, Jonas, that maybe they, they, they suffered because the fans haven't been in the stadium? Yeah, I mean, certainly to an extent. I mean, look at the numbers that you boys get, what, 45, 50, 60,000. It's obviously huge numbers compared to what most other clubs get. So that would have had some impact, but also just the poor management, poor running of the club. Everything that basically Dundee United did for four years is basically what's happened with you lads this season. Like, players know... 
the attitude of certain players, players not wanting to be at the club, the management situation dragging on for too long, the board not acting. It's, it's basically a carbon copy of what, what we had going on, but obviously on a far bigger scale because of the finances involved. Like I think that's probably a decent way to sum that up. Like, you know? I think Joris would maybe agree with this as well. Um, going back about maybe eight, nine, ten weeks, maybe not even as much as that, where the way United were performing in the league and the defeats they were getting, Having no fans actually helped Mickey Mellon keep his job at one mm-hmm. point. Because if there was fans in the stadium, there's no way he would have made it through that patch. And I think Jonas, like you said, would agree with that because we talked about it many weeks ago. Well, yeah, we went we went through a, a spell, I think it was January, February, where there was no, I think it was 1-1-11 or 1-1-12 in the league and stuff like that. And it was really poor, like the football we were playing and stuff. And it just, just was, it was just, it was horrendous to watch. Like, I'm not going to dress up any you know what I mean um, and like I say I mean I, I certainly think he, the, the pressure would have been ramped up on, on him if there had been you know the sort of crowds in that you, you normally get because at the end of the day people are paying good money you know it's all relative obviously you guys pay more money than we do but we pay big money for what we watch you know what I mean it's the same as, mm-hmm. it's all relative mm-hmm. you know so at the end of the day we're still working a week's wage to go and spend whatever money it costs to go and see your team at the weekend and I'm I'm not expecting us to be Barcelona or Real Madrid but what I want to be you want to see a team that's capable of playing decent football and we've always been a side that's played reasonably good football but just we went through a a patch where it just wasn't it was anything but that you know I think Mark like we can kind of relate to you on us in in a way with Celtic this season character that we we had no style of play. We bad decisions in management and bad decision on players. Celtic this season can actually relate to him, can't they? Jonas said it was a carbon copy. We described it Dundee United there. Just mm-hmm. absolutely no direction in anywhere at the club. No, just no signs of any any improvement or immediate improvement of that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. fans thing. I see. I, you were saying earlier is that. It's just something to do with the, like playing each other four times in that. I think a lot, especially in the derby games this season, eh, the fans not been there kind of took the sting out of the game a lot. And I think mm-hmm. I, I think that suited Rangers a lot more than it suited us. There was a there was a good thing there from from Terence on the thing, Jeremiah. He said uh, the less away fans inside the stadiums too. The, the last couple of seasons has taken away that that voice in in the game as well, hasn't this? Uh, it has. That was just. That was really just pettiness in Rangers Park, cutting the ticket allocation. But you know what it's like with Celtic Rangers. It's black and white. If, yes. If they done it, we t- we had to do it. But it definitely changed the actual complex complexion of the games when they're actually on. But if they mm-hmm. then it's just really guilty altogether. There's no. I'm not saying the players aren't playing with passion, but well, we spoke about that. But. They've just the games have all been a bit of a damp squib. Mm-hmm. The players shouting at each other. So I think that played a lot in taking a sting out of the derby games this year. I think they're just boring to watch. Like you said, even you can tell even within the players as well. It's just not the same intensity as it normally is. Like when the, even when the ball was out for a throne and that. It's just. Well, is that going back to what we're saying? Like that we're playing, what the the whole boys has gone up because we're actually playing too regularly. That the the, the, the big derby isn't there the way it is anymore because no again, no, again them like it says there should always be an intense thing mm-hmm. even if you played them a hundred times a season <laughs> I would still expect it to be 
a lot more passionate than it has been the last couple of matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, even when Dundee United play Dundee, they can play each other a hundred times a season. You can guarantee that every game's still going to hit a bite in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been reported in many media outlets that Celtic are interested in Dundee United's goalkeeper, Benjamin Seagas. Is he better than what we have? And and is he ready? If Celtic did sign him, would he be able to just step right into the first team squad? Give us your thoughts on him as a, a, a keeper, as you saw him first hand. Well, I've seen him. Look, he's rushed. Um, yeah, he's he's out for he's out obviously till the end of the end of the season now. I don't know if it's his wrist, it's something in his hand anyway. He had a swollen hand and something about it earlier on when I saw that we were going to be talking about him. Ah, uh, yeah, he is out, uh, Mark. That's correct till the end of the season. But the story with sort of Benji was when he first came into the club, he was playing second fiddle to a boy Rakavan that we signed as well. And like you say, the Rakavan wasn't to put it politely wasn't very good. So what ended up happening was. Benji come in and he was a bit nervous at first when he first came in and he had a mistake in him and stuff like that because he wasn't playing in front of a, a good defence but certainly last season the championship and this season I mean he single-handedly probably kept us out of a relegation battle because if you look at the stats somewhere he's had over 120 saves in the league and the next goalkeeper belongs on about 80 or 90 saves so I would to answer your question he's certainly better than anything that what you lads have got and he's arguably, in my opinion, and people from other clubs will agree as well, he's, the, he's probably the second best goalkeeper in the, in the league at the moment. So he would be an asset to to any club, like you know. So it would certainly be an, an upgrade on on what. And I've only seen you guys a handful of times, but from what I've seen, the fact that you've been chopping and changing goalkeepers suggests that there's issues in that department anyway, like you know. Mm-hmm. And what what would be his main weaknesses? Was he like on the, on the ball and like on, on the face? Is he? What? I mean, he, he's reasonably. I mean, he's, he's competent enough with both feet. Um, it's maybe, it's maybe. He's, uh, I mean, he's coming for crosses was his sort of weakness when he first came in, but he's more commanding now and stuff like that. I mean, if if he played in a team, I mean, we we, we don't really play a style where we try and pass it out from the back because we don't have the the sort of defenders that are maybe comfortable enough on the ball. Our defenders are sort of rough and ready. It's header, go and header the ball, go and tackle. I mean, they're obviously they can pass. They're, comp- they're competent passers of the ball, but we're not a playing out from the back type of team. But if he was sort of in- in- integrated into a side that played like that, there's no reason he wouldn't be able to pick up that style, like, you know? Mark Gomba, he said there um, that when he first came in, there was a mistake in him and, and things like that. He took a while to sit down. Could the same thing happen to Barkhouse? Maybe like he would think he'd settle down next season, or I don't think is, I guess, is, is, is there keeping Sagas that we should be maybe looking at? Well, for what Jonas says, he certainly sounds. I've seen him a couple of times, and obviously most of the time it's against Celtic, but he's done well when the stats he saves in that he's pulled off. Buzz put them off, and Jonas Buzz put them up. Jonas has mentioned them. There's some amount of saves for a goalkeeper to make a season. So, a, 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 a bit of a gamble, I think, is but to get manager number one. I, 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 I think, but I don't think Barkis is going to be here next season. I do think mm-hmm. keep her in there. We spoke about it before, but I just I don't think he's going to be here. So for me, we're looking for a new number one, and I don't know if that boy from Dundee United would. I don't know if no, nah, not for a number one. I don't think it would take him for that. Mm-hmm. Well, if they wanted to swap Scott Bain for a backup. Mhm. Michael? 
No, I would. I like says. Um, I like. I, I'm basing it on Eddie Howe getting the job, which is. I'm 100% confident he will, and there's no chance that Benjamin Segrist is good enough for his feet to play the type of football that Eddie Howe wants. No, he's a good shot stopper, but that's not what he'll want. Like, he's he's no chance to sell. Yeah, yeah. No chance to sell it going to Bournemouth and signing that Asmir Begovic. I think there's a there's a good chance of a keeper like him coming to sell it. I, I like I said with Mark, and we've talked about it. I still think Barkas is a top goalie. But based on the info that's coming out in the last 40 hours, it looks like there's a good chance he can probably go back to AEK Athens, which is maybe for the best, like say, get back to his, his family and his, his home comforts. Mm-hmm. You want to say if there was one player from the, this current Celtic team, who, who would you like in your Dundee team and why? Dundee nice team and why? Um, well, if I was going to pick, it's a tough one for me actually because uh, if, if it was on a limited budget um, I would take Ayer to play centre half alongside Ryan Edwards but or then I would bring in or it would be Sorrow in the midfield it's, it's a tough one it's between those two for who I would who I would have like uh, they're my two I can't really narrow it down to one that would be the two that I would go for because we need a centre half but then you know it's, it's, it's just one of them or then obviously we've got Turnbull as well so I mean, he's he's another one. It would be one of those three. Like, uh, if you had, you know, it's quite difficult for you to say to me, take one player, you know. But Turnbull, mm-hmm. probably Turnbull, Ayer or Saul would be would be. I I would take like any any of those three. There was and one. I, there was one player who you. Were... <laughs> see, see, the thing is, Mark. I understand what you're saying, right? And he and he, he bangs the goals in, but it's just that his head be there. You know what I mean? You're saying about him. The, the thing is for you lads, right? You lads have maybe got slightly more leeway in the sense that you have got maybe, like maybe it's no figured out this season, but going back to when you had Dembele and Edward, like you had a, a class striker and a class backup, right? We probably lose Lauren Shankland in the summer, right? So we can't really afford to carry someone that's on big money as a sort of luxury player. We need everybody contributing because we don't have the luxury of having this, the same budget and having as big a squad. So we wouldn't be able to really gamble on someone whose attitude wasn't always going to be spot on, eh? That would be my sort of red flag with him. See, if he was going to come in and screw the nut and he was happy and he played a full season, he was going to get you 30 goals then. Yeah, of course I would take him. But if it was going to be one of those half sort of when he's, he, only, he only decides that he wants to get fit in November and things like that, it's too much of We can't have any water carriers with a sort of wages that we are paying for boys of that quality, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was one player who you were surprised that we let go at the start of the season, and I suggest you last night that said they could offer him as a, a player as Upedi that would actually suit him. Was uh, Semilovic? You were actually surprised said they let him go at the start of the season. Yeah, well, I was just surprised because of the. Well, I mean, at the start of the season, you can maybe see why they did it because he's injuries and stuff. But certainly, as it became apparent that they were having problems at the back then why might we not bring the guy back, you know what I mean? Because it was obvious that you, there was issues in the defence, especially with injuries and inconsistent performances and Shane Duffy coming over and it just, it just didn't work. That turned out to be an unmitigated disaster, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm just, just just looking from the outside in, like just from what I've seen and what, what I see on social media and what I've seen from the times I've seen them play, you know, I just think that maybe could have been a route that they would have went down. But again, I don't know the fills and the ins and outs of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, what, what, what's your opinion on, 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 on why Duffy failed? Like, we're saying a lot of it's because of the season, like not playing in front of the fans, he's, he's far away. 
But a lot of big players, and most notably for, from, from a rival point of view, was Joey Barton, who who started kind of saying this scholarship. It was a Mickey Mouse meet, and he failed miserably up in up in Scotland when he joined. He joined uh, Rangers. A lot of people actually underestimate Scottish football, and when they come up, they, they actually can't handle it, you know, so they can't. Yeah, that, that's correct, yeah. And I think probably in his case, it was maybe either. One, in England, you've got more time on the ball probably as well in a lot of the games and stuff, unless you're playing against like Liverpool and Man City, who are like, you know, they're all over you like a cheap suit. You can't breathe against those teams. But I don't think he's underestimated the league. It was maybe just the pressure. Of, like, if I was playing for Dundee United, then I had to take, like, you know, I would. It, it's a different pressure playing for in front of, like, you the fans of the team that you've supported your whole life that maybe got them um, maybe off the field issues that's maybe what, what's happened and again maybe the fact that he was on 30 40 grand, grand a week in England shows that the problem is down there they've touched on the fact that they're paying mediocre players huge mm-hmm. money you know what I mean again he's, he's come up here and he maybe isn't as good as what he thought of you know what I mean he's been found out maybe the Scottish footballs again he's another one that's underestimated I'm, I'm not saying that's maybe the case but that's another reason that it could be you know Joey mm-hmm. Martin was done before he even made one appearance for Rangers, by the way he run his mouth off, mm-hmm. certain players. And... Yeah, that's correct. And like and... I said, in his first game against Hamilton, I think, what was the score? To be honest, did the Hamilton did the draw or did they get beat? I think they got. It was maybe a draw. They got beat, but that Ali McCann basically embarrassed them. Did he on a uh, on Not Meg, they put it in. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Michael, I know there's uh, there's one. Dundee United player that you're, you're interested in it and you saw him a few times is there a centre midfielder Fuchs is this Fuchs yeah, his name is Jean Do Fuchs and Jonas probably won't like me saying it but um, I actually don't understand how United managed, managed to sign him permanently he's only just 23 year old and for four years he played for Sochio in France and he played nearly every game and then there were people Alaves as well and, and then he went to Alaves and never settled, and then got put out to Maccabi Haifa on loan, and now he's ended up at Dundee United. The guy's actually outstanding. And he's a lot of guys from Cameroon as well. He is, or anything, but he's a midfielder from Cameroon. I need to try and keep an eye out for him. And he's, he's an international he a top player, well. like he's made six, uh, six appearances. And the Cameroon, I know a lot about African football, and Cameroon are one of the better teams, you know. They're a good team for years now, Cameroon, aren't they? Even at World Cups and that, they always show mm-hmm. up there. So yeah. the fact that he's even in the Cameroon, not just any team, the the the, the first team, eh, he's in the he's in this squad selection just now. Eh, he's a top player, like it says, and you think United have got him for another? He's on a two-year deal at Dundee United, but um, well, like I say, he's definitely that'd be one of them as well. Like you wouldn't want to end up at Rangers, no chance. Mm-hmm. Like you say, he's a, he's a really good player. So you know, as a as an outsider and. Like of Celtic, like not being a Celtic fan, being Dundee fan. What, what have <laughs> I keep saying Dundee? Like, what, I'm going to need to throw you up in case I some of my United supporters are listening to this. <laughs> you, you warned me that. <laughs> and, uh, what have you been saying about Celtic this season and how how badly they've fallen? Yeah, I think everybody's just been the same. Like they've just obviously been shot. Well, been shot, but like they expected things to obviously be a lot closer than they were, and it's just. Like I say, I think as Dundee United supporters, we, we've seen firsthand what mismanagement at board level taking too mm-hmm. long to get rid of certain managers, like appointing the wrong replacement, just just dragging your heels. 
we've suffered through periods where there's been a deafening silence from the club and things like that. And I think um, Mark said that earlier, like a rudderless, like no sort of direction or anything like that. It's completely the sort of same. It's, it's basically a carbon copy of what we went through a few years ago, but obviously not off the as back as much success as you've had. But I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable to consider. Like, I mean, it's not the fact that they, it's not just like okay, they've lost the lead by a couple of points or it's touch or go going at the last few games. I mean, it's been absolutely, it's, it's been a capitulation to mm-hmm. coin a, com, a popular commentary term, like you know. Mm-hmm. Going by the, the dominance they had over the last ten years, like that, that that must have been some achievement by by a football club considering the trophies that Celtic won, the quadruple cod, treble. You know, what's your thoughts on Celtic now? dominance over the last couple of years? Well, I mean, obviously, like you say, it's a mentality thing. Like, when Brendan Rodgers sort of came and raised the bar, you look at the quality of player that they had as well. Like, and again, I'm not going to sit here and start banging the money drum and that, but obviously it helped like, with the size of the club and the, the, the finances that are available to them and stuff like that. They were also able to recruit well, but they were just they, they were just churning out. They just had that winning mentality and it was a case that every game was a... They, they, went, they were just able to roll results off, you know, back to back and it was like I say nobody was able to compete with them at the time and obviously like I say the financial side of it did help that like I say but I'm not sure that even if you'd given every other club in Scotland the same finances it would have still been tough because of, because of the management and the fact that they had the, it was the structure within the club the professionalism and about how they went about their business like you know mm-hmm. Mark anything there for Jonas on what he was saying about the dominance that the, the the difference in structure we had under Brendan Rodgers and the lack of that we had under Lenny. Obviously, it did play a massive part. We spoke about it before. Just mm-hmm. that other people noticed that they've watched Celtic, but what they've seen, they've seen that it's not been the same Celtic as we've seen for the past years. Mhm. Yeah, like I said, it's um, like I said on the past podcast, it's it's been great quadruple treble. I'll never be done again. It's been proven mm-hmm. this season, but as, as it's been rammed down the all Celtic sports, so it's the so-called best team in Scotland by miles. They can't even win a cup. Eh? That's how good they are. That's how hard it is to win even a double. Never mind the quadruple. Go on, go on, go on. Then not even winning the double. I actually sent Viagra to Stephen Gerrard because it's the only time he sees semi in Scotland. So I just wanted to put up my 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 midweek job there. Right, <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> that, that's, getting, that's getting filed right under the dad jokes folder, yeah. that, is it? <laughs> Why would they come out with that? <laughs> oh. So we're moving on. I don't think move on. Just, I, I don't think live at the Apollo will be banging your door down anytime soon anyway. <laughs> Go on, I, I want to talk to, to the three of you actually about financial fair play and should it be introduced in Scotland something like the Bundesliga, lads, uh, Jonas? Well, I mean, like you say, it would, I think it, in Scotland it would probably be slightly more difficult to implement because of the fact that there's a, there's a bit more of a disparity between sort of like, I'm not saying obviously the disparity between Bayern Munich and Freiburg's finances or something, obviously there's a disparity there as well, but I think it's because of the way it's, it's a completely different structure. It would be, I can see where like financial fair play should be probably like in, in the sense that, you know, that you should be made accountable if you're hemorrhaged, I mean, and it's hard, Bass Neck is coming from United because of the losses we're posting just now. 
But that's obviously to do with the fact that invested heavily to get out of the league and we've sunk a lot of money into our academy and whatever. But no, I, I, like there should definitely be some sort of that wouldn't count, Jonas. See the money you spend in the academy and stuff. Mm. That, that doesn't come into your financial fair play. I, I think it, yeah, if you're just going on purely like you know paying astronomical wages and things and then not having a structure that's sustainable, and it would benefit everybody in the long run as well because it would prevent administrations and it would prevent clubs going into financial difficulties. So there would be certain sort of certain measures you could probably implement, like you know. Um, um, Mark, your thoughts on the financial play coming? I think there should be some version it brought in. Not just Scotland, it should be across the board in football. The FAD, their version of it, but they've got polls in that as well, which big teams used to get round about it. The Paris team risking everything. Risking, I mean, look at what happened to Gretna. They've got their eggs in that Miles Brooksing guy and ended up nowhere and dying, and that was Gretna stumped. And Jonas <clears throat> is saying about Dundee United with their financial problems. But as long as they're spending, see if they're spending it the right way. That's what, Correct. I know that doesn't sound right saying that as long as they're spending it the right way, but if they're spending, if they want to invest in their academy, that shouldn't have come into it. They should be allowed to spend that money in the earth. But you wouldn't like Dundee United to go and sign somebody and say, right, we're paying him 25 grand a week. We don't really know where we're getting the 25 grand a week yet. Oh, wait, the, new, the chairman's going to pay it for us. You're not mm-hmm. up in these situations. No, not at all, mate. And like, like you say, the academy, our model's always been bring through an academy player every couple of years and sell them for big money, like we did with Ryan Gold and Armstrong, like, you know, like players like Armstrong and things like that, like academy graduates coming through and then being sold for... that. that, that, that that's a sustainable model because there's not enough money in, in the Scottish game for us to operate any other way. We don't get a... We don't qualify for big European tournaments and things like that, so we need to cut our cloth accordingly, like, you know? When I was younger, see, when I was at school, one of your teachers at school was uh, Graham Livston, that was his name, and he was a Dundee United scout. And mm. he ended up being assistant manager for Paul Hartley somewhere, maybe in his first managerial job. Mm. A couple of boys at school that were at the Dundee United Academy and signed, it was S forums we called them at the time and were S1 with Dundee United and the Dundee United youth set up was one of the best in the country that well we've we've just upgraded like due to the heavy investment in the academy we went to like elite level like so we're UK like elite level now you know so and there's a few promising youngsters coming through so it's a model that like obviously the ownership have invested heavily in because it's this, it's the only, it's a sustainable model for a provincial club because we don't have the chance of the sort of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, like the Champions League. So we've got to sell you, youth, you know. Would you rather that? See, supposing, supposing you won the lottery and said to Dundee United, I'm going to give you two million pounds. Would you rather they spend the two million pounds on a player or a million pounds on a player and a million pounds into the youth side of things? Yeah, yeah. No, I would definitely put more money into the infrastructure than rather than having a glamour signing for a couple of seasons because you can have a glamour signing for a couple of seasons and finish fourth in the league and have nothing to show for it. Whereas if you invest in the infrastructure, then you'll see the fruits of that coming through later, later on and down the line. Like, yeah. Michael, I know you 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 watched a bit of the Bundesliga and I knew Lord kind of structure there. Like the fans kind of owned, kind of a stake in it the the way the, the walk-ins there with the financial yeah, like, fair play. And all and all Bundesliga clubs, the fans have got a fifty-one percent stake, which is this is also a funny fact as well regarding Bayern Munich and Dortmund, because. 
they've been applauded because they refused um, acceptance for the Super League. The reason that they never even considered it is because they're owned by the fans, and the fans would have told them where to go. If it was mm-hmm. the other way about, Dortmund and Bayern would have won a hundred percent have joined that Euro- the European that Super League. Hundred percent, Mikey. So the only reason that, like you say, they're getting all the plaudits. The only reason that is is because, like you say, the way the Bundesliga run, it's fifty-one percent fans owned, and they knew if they went to the fans, they know what would happen. And Mikey, we touched on that last night as well. Remember, we were talking about eighteen sixty Munich when they were in, mm-hmm. the, in trouble in the second division, and then they submitted their end of the season books, and their books were all over the shop, mate. Remember, and then that was them yeah. right down to the fifth tier, like you know. So they don't. Yeah, like you say, no prisoners, and like you say, in the Bundesliga, like in the German football, the way it's run, either run your club correctly, or you just get punished right away. That's the way that they operate, and it should be the same as Scotland. Financial fair play should be in every single league. That's it, like you said, overspending. Remember back in, and Jonas will remember as well, and especially living in Dundee, back in the early 2000s, and Dundee started signing Ravinelli and Kaniji and Mzadze, and everybody was like, what's going on? When Barry was here. That's when Barry was here. Mm-hmm. He was here well, for Ravinelli and that were at Dundee. And the thing is, see when they went into administration, um, sort of like 23 million or whatever it was, it could have even been more, Countless local businesses went under because of that. They ended oh. up coming to a creditors voluntary agreement where they ended up paying shareholders back, what was it, six pence in the pound or something? You know what I mean? And they, they were run horrendously. And the, the best they had to show for that was like a fifth-place finish and a pumping in a cup semi-final or something. So there you go. But then the thing is, you'll talk to some of their supporters and they'll, they'll, they'll tell whoever wants to listen to them that it was the best days that they've ever seen. So if that's all they're aspiring... I mean, that's just not acceptable. Because, you know what I mean? And... That's not the way football should be run. It's not a, it's, a football club isn't a plaything for some rich millionaire that's got no. It's people's lives. Eh? People have invested their entire lives into that club, like the money that they spend going to see their teams. You've got people that have went to see their teams for 50, 60, 70 years. Is there? You know what I mean? You can't just treat it like that. It's more than just the club. It's it's part of what people it belongs to the people, not not rich owners. You know what I mean? Mark, do you think that it, it, it will eventually come in or? Is it not covering sort of Scottish way can com- complete certain teams to uh, buy players and 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 run with I, higher than their means? I think eventually it's going to come in, Paul. I don't think there's any escaping for it in the next say five years. There's got to be something done. Mm-hmm. It'll probably come to a head. See when this pandemic's over. Sadly, we'll probably lose a, some team, a wee team down in one of the lower leagues or something. It's not. Mm-hmm. Financial problems and things like that, and maybe bring it to a head. But it definitely, definitely, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. We teams living within that means, aren't they? They're not playing in a level playing field. Dundee United aren't they playing in a level, a level playing field as Rangers? Mm-hmm. It's all just a surmountable. They're just mounting up debt, mounting up debt, mounting up debt, and then converting it to shares. Whereas Dundee United is trying to live within their means. And they do the best that they can with the money that's available to them. And that's the one thing I say they'll say about Celtic. That's what it should be. Unless mm-hmm. Man City's got other backed-up advertising deals. It's yes, exactly, yeah. But that, that's fair dues, because there's still money getting in. There's still money that's backed up. In a, to me, it's a normal way. To, I mean, if Desmond Dermott says, look, I want to advertise the, what is it, the Sandy Beach Resort or somebody owns their... Hawaii or whatever it is if he wants to give us £10 million a year to put that in the front of our shop well that's up to Dermot Desmond 
Mm-hmm. Like, Mike is? Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. All I'm saying was, if, you, if the owners are willing to put that kind of money in through kind of, they kind of means there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when they start certain mm-hmm. shares and all this kind, they kind of shenanigans, it's just they're doing stuff that other teams couldn't do. Dundee, even if Dundee United wanted to do that, they've not got the financial capability in their fan base to do what Rangers are doing. Mm-hmm. Mike is? Yeah, like I say, that's one thing that I've all, like, that's what I've always kind of appreciated Celtic, even though it is still annoying and a lot of Celtic fans are quick to jump on the biscuit tin mentality. But they've always spent within their means. They've always had a wage cut. Mm-hmm. They always go back to when Larson and that was there. He was always paid what Celtic were able to afford to pay him. Exactly. Okay, exactly. You, got to, you bring in that um, testimonial and that and... That didn't sit well with me regarding payments and expecting fans and that. That's it. Yeah, the best they could, and that was good enough for them. They didn't. Yeah. Say, oh, we'll give you eighty grand a week. Yeah. Well, like I said, we were talking. We'll scrimp and scrape and see who we can sack to make up that eighty grand a week kind of thing. Well, we were talking about it yesterday, and me and yours have talked about it years over the past regarding overpaying wages and. Jonas knows a lot more than me because he knows people on that as well. But like, I mean, it's just rumours, and I think it is true. But I think when Ronald De Boer signed for Rangers, he was rumoured to be on nearly sixty-five grand a week, which I think is true because he was on the same at Barcelona. And supposedly, like he says, he was getting paid buttons, and then the rest no through the EBT scheme. Probably. And that's what that's that's a prime example of overpaying for wages when you can't afford them. Eh? Mhm. Mm-hmm. That, that's unbelievable to think of somebody on that kind of wage in Scotland at the time but see after all that's happened in the last 8 or 9 years of Scottish football would it surprise you if the SFA were still allowing this to go in and not just the Ibrox the other clubs we kind of shady we payment shady payments in that wouldn't surprise me no it has to be football is it? it's run by money is it money talks like you say and that's it Right, so, folks, we're going to move on for that. Uh, Jonas, you're welcome to stay in line uh, with us if you want. We're just going to move on to Shaw, and look, we'll bring you into conversations again and talk to Shaw. Mike, you stay in line as well with us? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. Mike. Yeah. So, next we're going to talk about, it's been really roughly around 10 days since Dominic McCoy was appointed CEO of Celtic. Some fans have came out and said, why he hasn't given a statement and why is he so silent? And and some fan, a lot of fans have been questioning uh, why he's been quiet. You want to speak as you as you said that a lot of uh, your board have been quiet over the years. Is it a good thing that he's been quiet, or should he come out and make a statement on Celtic scene as being the new CEO? CEO? No, I, I mean I'm not saying that he needs to come out and you know lay you know address everything that's happening, but. I mean, what fans draw comfort from is even a wee statement just to say this is the direction that we're going and this is the progress we've made in certain areas. Mm-hmm. I, 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 just, I just think a complete radio silence and a complete blanket silence is, isn't, isn't, it, just, it, just unre- it just lets unrest breed within a fan base and people start questioning what's going on. Because at the end of the day, I don't know what, what the situation was you lads, but our season, ticket sales are, our season tickets are out on sale just now. But I don't know what it is with the story is with you lads, but I mean, you might be asking some people to part with six, seven hundred quid, and that's a lot of money to ask people to part with. They don't care what direction the club's going in or where they mm-hmm. are in this hunt for a manager. You know what I mean? So I would say that there needs to be certainly some sort of communication from any board. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you take your Eunice's point there? I can see what Eunice is saying, but it's, 
I'd like to think that he's to see. I don't really want to hear for the Celtics CEO. You know, I mean, I'd rather it was somebody that we knew who he was and like that was it. I don't see what I really don't know what fans want him to come out and say. Not until something was completely confirmed, like you know what I mean. Unless they've got concrete news. I think folk are wanting looking for him to come out and say, right, we're going to appoint a director of football. We're going to appoint Eddie Howe as manager. We're going to do this and next season we're signing all these multi-million pound players. That's never going to happen. He'll probably do a wee puff piece with Jerry McCulloch on Celtic TV. That'll be mm-hmm. that. But it's, what the fans are looking for, I don't think he's going to do anything like that. Once, once there's something to say, he'll be there to say it. Just what I said about Dermot Desmond, his actions of his actions will give the answers that were raised in his actual words. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do you think he's been he's been told to keep quiet, uh, considering when Peter Lord came out made a statement against uh, uh, talked about uh, the apology in Dubai and fans were critical of his statement saying it was a it was a fake apology and stuff. That do you think maybe McCoy has been told to stay quiet for the time being and not to give his statement? I just don't, I, I going back to Mark. I don't actually know what Celtic fans are wanting. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, like I said. I, I'm as impatient as anybody. Jonas will tell you that being my mate for 15 years. But the guy's not going to speak to the press or give any form of conference or anything because there's nothing to there's nothing to tell. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's obviously stuff going on in the background. And if he was to come out in these first few days and say, like what Mark says, we're doing A, B, and C, and a backfired, it's just the worst start that he could have had in his job. Like you say, if Eddie Howe and that is to be appointed, it'll be appointed when it's 100% confirmed. And that's when it'll get released. Like you say, Celtic fans, are, I, I understand as much as anybody, like you say, the uncertainty around the club and that. But the guy's not going to just come out, just... Uh, stuff needs to be... Your ebbs. Come out and show TV sing your ebbs. Do you think, Doric, that he's missing... We say relative, relative coaches of of each department, all right, like the likes of the youth academy and stuff like that. And do you think he's aware of the problems in the youth academy, Mark? That there's a lack of direction. For, I know it's the director of football, but do you think he knows that, and that when he's meet the director of football, who he appoints, that he he he'll address these problems to him. Oh, I think he'll be aware of the, foot, the problems in the football side. Or otherwise, what's the point of taking a job? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be aware of problems. i problems that are across the full board in the club. But hopefully, mm-hmm. you're going to bring in the right men to make your decisions that make it better. That's the most important thing, Dominic Kai can do. Do you think it's, you know, do you think it's actually a tougher job now? Is it because of Celtics uh, being so poorly this season and a lot of a lot of players leaving this season? Is this actually a tougher time for a new CEO coming into the club, having to appoint a new manager, director of football, and having to buy all these new players for the first team? Oh, well, it's certainly not going to be easy, but I think everybody, like, I mean, like I say, again, you know, you lads will know more than I will, but it needed a clear out from top to bottom, and it's went a bit stale, so you've got to get the, the, guy, a, the guy a chance. Like, And like you say, fans are as impatient as it comes. I mean, I'm the same, like, you know, when it comes to off-season, you're like, right, is there a, you get two weeks into like, and there's not been a transfer room, and everybody's freaking out, like, you know what I mean? It's the same, it's the same as what's, what's, what's going on with yourselves there, like, as well, you know? And, um, 
then once if you I think what they're, they'd be as well doing is making sure that they appoint get the correct appointment. There's no point in rushing through appointment because people are mm-hmm. shouting and bawling because people are getting impatient. It's the same. You've got to the same in any business, football club, whatever. You've got to make the decision. So if it takes a bit longer to get the right man in, then that's that's just what it takes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what were your fans like when when you're all bored with silence and stuff like that? Were they getting frustrated, like oh, fans this group or something? You know, like of course they were. I mean, like absolutely. Like we we were all the same, and I was probably one of them as well. I was like, another day goes past and there's no news and stuff because you're anxious because you don't know. Like let's be honest, we want like it's just human nature. We want to know everything right now. You know what I mean? It's just. The way we're programmed, so of course we were we were all the same, and you get a bit edgy and stuff like that as well. Especially when the takeover was sort of taking time to go through, and then a, a day before it went through, it was all oh, the takeovers collapsed, and then it's back on again, and then there's a new, you know what I mean? It it, it puts you through the ringer, and I can understand what everybody's going through, but sometimes patience is you've got to play the long game, you know. The modern world, into the world of social media, and that everybody watches. Yeah, that's correct, Mark. Yeah, that's that, that, that's drove up the impatience. Whether it's true or no, they don't really care if it's true or no. They just want to know something. And that's where all these clickbait websites and that come from. Just uh, people's hunger. Just we need to know this and we need to know it now. And that, mm-hmm. see, the only way Dominic McKay's going to come out and get an A, B, C, D. Do you know what I mean? What he's going to be doing in the next six months? It's just it's not going to happen. No, and like 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 Michael touched on there as well, right? Or I think it was you, Mark. If you said like he rattles off a plan, saying that this, that, and the next one is going to say this player and that player is going to sign, all you're doing is um, you're just tying the noose around your net before the jury's found you guilty. You know what I mean? Because if that doesn't happen, then you're the first person that's thrown to the wolves. And to some people, that that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? The relationship's damaged before <laughs> before it's even got going. Like you know? That's, I mean, it's, it came from a rugby background. I don't even think he's that interested in football, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. But, but I mean, the, the Celtic fans expect him to come out and lie and say, oh, I've actually been a Celtic supporter all my life, but I just prefer going to the rugby because they were paying me. Cause <laughs> basically, but that's really, I really, what Mikey said there as well, I don't know what the Celtic fans are expecting him to come out and say after, what, 10 days in a job. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a good thing, Mark, that he he actually maybe he isn't a Celtic fan, but maybe that's a good thing, like because I remember Michael saying like, look at the likes of Larson who came to the club and they had they they want Celtic fans, they had no connection club, and they came in legends. Actually, it's an actually good thing that maybe he's not a Celtic fan I coming think, in. Well, for really for his job, I think I don't think it matters if he's a Celtic fan or no. For mm-hmm. being a CEO, he's there. To make sure that the club's making money and running smoothly. As I've said before, if 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 somebody you're bringing into a high position, if they're a fan of the club, that's all, all the better and all well and good. But if they're no, it doesn't matter as long as they're the best man for the job. And maybe he'll mm-hmm. he'll look at things a bit more clinically. Do you know, I'm at, I'm part, I don't know if impartial is the right word, like say Peter Lowell did. Do you know what I mean? Because Peter Lowell was a Celtic fan, but he it was all, it all came down to the figures with him. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Dominic Kai brings in some fresh thinking and it's just a case of, well, th- I'm, I'm hiring you to do this job. If that's not working, you'll not be here doing it. But exactly. As long as you're doing the job that you're paying you today, we'll be happy with you. And that's what it's doing. Whether a Celtic man or no, doesn't really matter now. I think it's going to be 
make a break for for McKind and, and Desmond on the next appointment as manager. And that's going to be that that's that's going to be the big statement from them. The, the, the next manager, who the next manager is going to be, Mike Linders. What he says, that's why I think it's taking a bit more time. Mm-hmm. The appointment is that crucial because there's that much a rebuild to do. Mm-hmm. So if it takes an extra two weeks to appoint somebody, then albeit, like I said, don't get us wrong, it's going to need to happen soon because it has been dragging on for months. But I've just got a funny feeling that in the next few week to two weeks, I think there will be an announcement. I think after this game on Sunday, I think you'll start seeing the motion start. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on from 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 Akai and hopefully that they do get the the, the manager position right and we hear some in the next couple of weeks. But it's interesting that we have Jonas on the team as we're talking about the Celtic Rangers games. But I, I don't know, Jonas, have you watched the last Celtic Rangers games and our Celtic team hasn't kind of shown the passion that we expect and the fight that fighting against your playing against your local rivalry and. How can you see Celtic winning this game on on Sunday? That for us, it's, it's actually a must-win game. You know? Yeah, well, yeah, like well, I, I, I watch them like with my eagle and like, and and I'm always a, a person that watches Scott. I'll always watch the Scottish game on over the whatever's on anyway, just because I'm a fan of Scottish football in general. Mm-hmm. So I think it just comes down to the fact that like it's whether people can be motivated to go and do their jobs. It's the same as any derby, like eh, you know what I mean. Some, I mean, there's been derbies when. I went to watch United and like for example Dundee had beat us just because we've turned up thinking we've got the better players we're going to win the game comes down to attitude as well you know what I mean it, it, it's just one of those things eh? you need to approach it with the right mentality it's all well and good saying that we should be doing this that and the next thing go out on the pitch and do the job and play the game properly you know what I mean mm-hmm. I know I know Michael's very critical of this player and he hates mentioning but if John Kennedy starts with the same team you honest uh, as last time and he had likes of Laxell, Brown, Christie and Edward and team straight away as a static supporter if I've seen those names and team sheets I'm guessing that it's going to be a slow game you know what I mean we're not going to be bursting into tackles and stuff like that who, who would you see coming in like obviously like we see Taylor coming in at left back like sure to God Zora has to start these games and Brown should be benched by now well, I mean, uh, if I was, if I was, I would just be playing the guys that are going to be there next season. Whether that, you know, what I mean, what, what's the point in playing people as an old pals act? That's got us in trouble as a club in the past. Playing people just because, for the sake of it, you know, because the the service to the club or whatever, like you know what I mean. So I mean, I would be looking at maybe like the likes of like of Sorrow and Taylor, and that you would expect them to be there next year. Griffiths, you would, like I say, I mean, he's probably. He's probably in the la- he's drinking in the last chance, the last chance saloons probably as far as his Celtic chances go. So, mm-hmm. if, I mean, if they already know who the new manager is, or if they've sounded out someone, the guy will be watching the game. So you'll be wanting to impress. I wouldn't be playing anybody that's not going to be playing there next season. It was just logical to give the guys that are going to be there a chance to stake a claim for for playing for the club next year. That would just I don't know if like Mike, Mark and Michael agree with that, but that's what I would do. That's what. Any sensible fan of any football club, because I was in charge of Dundee United and there were six boys out of contract and we had a derby coming up on Sunday, I'd be playing the guys that were going to be there next season that wanted to be at the club. <laughs> Mark? Oh, I agree with that 100%. Jonas, we spoke about that before. Guys like Brown and that, that's already come out and says they're not going to be here. Players we know that are out of contract, they're not going to be here, etc. 
they shouldn't have been here the team when it's still a derby and we still want to win it, but it's still basically a dead rubber game. The rest of the season, after we after we went out of the cup today and your season was over, we should have started planning for next season after that game. Mm-hmm. Like Christian Brown are near starting 11 on Sunday, then they might as well get the white flag out now. Yeah, exactly. But do you think... Do you trust Kennedy to make these changes, Mike? Is it or, no. I, I'm not confident. I, I think it's going to be really the same team. Like, do you know that's no, fine? I, I, like, there's no like, like, there's, like we've talked about this before. But if Brown and Christie and Larkshall and that start that game, that I can justify Edward because of the amount of goals he has scored this year. Like mm-hmm. he says, he has. Actually, there's two one maybe in him. Two seconds there. Like, one I just want one to last top to, performance for the guy. To, to be honest, they're actually on dust. That's, you know, as we talked last night about Edward, and you mentioned that even though his head was elsewhere this season and he's not he's not played to his best, he's still the top scorer in Scottish football. And that's just showing the quality that he actually has. You know? Yeah, and like, a, I mean, Celtic fans will probably say, yeah, but look at some of his goals, hat-tricks against Hamilton and goals against... He probably hasn't contributed in the big games to the ability that he should be contributing and that, that probably again I've not seen enough of them to know that if, if that's the case or not but like I say at the end of the day you would like to think that the club that's paying your wages you're going to you're going to pull your weight for them like you know and it's um, I mean you play your best players eh you know what I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's, and so that, that, that's just a sort of a basic of football like even if the guys maybe know had the best of form like you know and, he, and he's maybe been struggling for a bit of confidence but you, you, you do play your best players like yeah that's just that, that would just be sort of the sensible thing the way to go about it like you know mm-hmm. uh, Mark and Michael just a question to you and so it's like so if you were Celtic managers now right and you had this poor run that we had this season behind you and you knocked out of the cup you knocked out of the league and stuff like that how would you motivate this team and for this upcoming game? You shouldn't be motivating them, but... You shouldn't need motivated for this game. And if players mm-hmm. do need motivated for this game, then they shouldn't be there. That, that's the easy question. If you're not motivated to bet the, your biggest rivals in the same city as you, then there's something seriously wrong with you as a professional football player. Like I said, I put myself in that situation. And I can only imagine me going into that game. I mean, I'd probably last in the 30 seconds, like... But mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's just being committed and like you see you like Alan Thompson in 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 one of his old forms that the ball was sent off and he went into this tackling got sent off. That, that I think that'd be like you, Michael. I think I don't think you could be trusted in a Celtic and Rangers on the pitch. I don't think. <laughs> like I'm, uh, like I'm just looked at the chart and I've seen like that buzz has got Kenny and he's starting eleven. How could that Kenny start that match? After the last game he played for Celtic in that when he was he was at fault for the two goals, he was absolutely hopeless. Who would you put there? So would you would, would you throw Radisson in there? There's got to be somebody else. Like I said, that Kenny, like I said, he's going to get a game for one of the worst Schalke teams in Bundesliga history. And he, since he's came for Celtic, he's been absolutely shocking. And Rab, like I says, as everybody knows, like Rab suggesting to play beat on at centre back. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Paul, you know Matthew's on beat on. He was injured, didn't he? Oh, he was yeah. injured with the shoulder, I think, yeah. Why he's picked beat on? Who else are you going to play in the middle, Duffy? Would you throw Duffy in there? I'd, I'd, throw, I'd throw Duffy in over beat on, 100%. Yeah, 
maybe Duffy actually would be up for this game. Mark Hunt would be his last. You know, but then it's a constancy issue. Then was Duffy in this a nightmare again, and it's not back to slaughtered on social media and that. Maybe like say, Mark, this might be the one game. Like he says, we understand the season he had. He's never going to be back. Just that one game, just to get him a bit of confidence and just uh, something to take for the season. Mark, what about you, Dad? If if you were in charge of this centre team, how would you go about this? Well, put with that state, get them. Mm-hmm. I'd just tell them they've been a disgrace all year. It's time to get their finger out. He's a Celtic player. Get You've let everybody down. You've let the club down. You've let the fans down. You've let yourself down. So, this is your last chance to prove it. He's only actually got bugs that have showed us to be all season. So, get out there exactly. and prove it. Exactly. I don't think you can disagree with uh, what you said there, Mark. But, like, you know, like, tell him tell exactly as it is what, what he's been this season. You just need to look at what they're saying across the city about us. If that's not enough to get you fired up, then I don't know, what is It's embarrassing. Like I said, you've got people like that speaking about you that are average at best. That's what I don't understand, especially in the last game as well. Stuff that's getting said about how poor we are and we're the big team and this, that and the next thing. And like, I just don't understand like, the attitude towards the players. And I don't know what's going on in that dressing room, like, but they just don't look fired up for anything. No, no. What about yourself, Jonas? Like, Looking like how how poor we've been and the lack of commitment from this first first team squad and like where do you start like motivate these players for for a game like this you know? Well, I mean I think um, like you say you're, well, just just going back to what Michael said there if you can't get yourself up for a derby against your local rivals then you'd be as well no being at the club like eh you know what I mean there's you should find the motivation from within yourself if, if, if exactly. You you're in a privileged position. You play professional football. If you give me a Dundee United kit and pay me absolutely zero money, I, I, I'd pay. I'd pay to play for them every week. You know what I mean? And I can guarantee I'd give a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, most fans would give their right arm to have have been lucky enough to play professional football. So you're in that position making good money. If you can't motivate yourself for ninety minutes on a pitch, fans or no fans, against your biggest rivals, whether it be a Dundee derby or. A, Glasgow Derby whatever Derby you're playing in then you shouldn't be playing the sport in my opinion and you should or you should be throwing someone that even a younger guy or something like that throwing someone that wants to be there and wants to go and play because I'd rather lose with a team of guys that were committed than a, a, a team of sort of pop stars that were just sort of ugh, we'll just turn up the day and we'll sort of mull about but that, that's good enough you know that kind of attitude I think it's go back to Mark what, um, sorry I think it's going back to what Barry Force said there with, with Jonas is that uh, like it's, it's, it was his love for the game that kept him in there. It didn't matter what he was on or what happened to him. He just wanted to play the game and give his all for the team. Want this? You there? Is that me you were wanting to speak to? Is that me Mark. you were speaking to? Oh. About Barry? Yeah, I, like, I just don't love the game is keeping them going but don't know what Jonas is saying about the derby matches even if you're not brought up a Celtic or Rangers fan a Dundee or a Dundee United fan Habs or Hearts fan if you're coming from another country all that your manager or your captain or whoever needs to say to you is this, this is our most important game of the season this is what matters to the fans it doesn't matter what level it is if it's your local derby you should be going out there 
for knowing what it means to the fans, no matter how much you're getting paid or anything, that shouldn't come into you. Dundee and Dundee United is probably the most important game in Jonas's calendar. And they don't, mm-hmm. just because they're no Celtic or Rangers fans, it doesn't hurt them any less when they lose it. Do you know what I mean? And players, that's what players need to remember at all these levels. It's not the fans and how the, how the, how the, the players are going out there and showing themselves. Celtic's not any fight in them all season, and that was that's just totally unacceptable. Well, if you go, what you you're you're talking about there uh, on the live chat has Brown affected the way. Callum McGregor has been playing this season that he's actually he's kind of a playing like a, a second defensive midfielder next to Brown has that affected his performance or has he just been poor outright this season McGregor, as McGregor's he's been McGregor's been poor like you said I'll, I'll, if somebody's playing good then I'll say they're good if they're bad they're bad McGregor's been poor this season but it's not been helped by playing in a team with Christie and Brown last season mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. that guy has played that many games of football no injuries, no nothing. It was only a matter of time before he hit a wall. And like you said, yeah. playing with guys like Brown and that, and Sorrow's been linked with Tottenham today, whether it's yeah. rumours or whatever. So you've got a guy that's getting linked to uh, the so-called top big six down in England, and then you've got Brown that's, going to, that's finished and that's going to Aberdeen as an, a coach player next season. But Brown's getting a game over him. Yeah. It's just, it's just strange. Exactly. Mark, your thoughts on McGregor? Oh, he's been an empty jersey this season. Whether that's tiredness or that, I don't know, but he's definitely been one of the major letdowns this season for me. But Mark, if it is tiredness, right, and we're going into the end of the season, he's going to be straight off to the European Championships, right? Then he's going to have about nearly a week and a half or two weeks off before Celtic start their chat with his Oh, look, imagine doing next season, he's going to be shattered, isn't he? Uh, he'll not be here for the European Championship qualifiers, I don't think. For the Champions League qualifiers. I don't mm-hmm. think McGregor will be here next season. No, I think he I think he's going to I don't think he deserves it based on the form of the season, but I think he's gonna end up at Leicester. I think there's a chance of that that Madison, I think he's meant to be moving on for Leicester. Yeah. McGregor could be his replacement. But it was like Christie. They're just to me they've like this. No, just day two. I'm not singling them out because a lot of the team done it. They've just let themselves down this year. They really have the performances they've put in. See if it is through tiredness and if it's through tiredness or other way, McGregor, he shouldn't be in the team then. That should be down to the sports science folks. And look, he's not playing anywhere near his. That's what we were going for. That's what we were talking about today, Mark, like that. Have the sports science people been saying this to Lenin and has Lenin been refusing to accept it or has. There some seems to be some lack of communication in all departments about players. I mean, it must be the way. He's probably well, Buzz will probably know better. Me, he's probably played the most games for us this season. Why has he never just been even rested for a couple of games like any other player does normally? Well, who would who would play him then if 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 he did rest, Calamar? Who was actually there to fill like, his position? Christy back here. I mean, you've got players used to play like you and Henderson and that coming through. He's been put on loan to Dunfermline. Every time I've seen him come on for Celtic in the past, he's looked like a really, really good youngster. And he just gets put on loan. He's kind of player that you would play exactly. instead of McGregor. Exactly. Uh, what's your thoughts on um, McGregor, you honest, that the amount of football that he's playing this season and how, okay, that he's performed bad this season? Do you think that's down to tightness or 
do you think he's headed towards maybe to the Premier League or? I don't. He seems like one of the sort of level-headed guys. He doesn't seem like anybody that ever causes an uproar in the media or anything. Like I don't think he's, I don't think he's um, like he's as good as anybody on, on his day. Like when he, he gets the ball, like like when he plays for Scotland and that, he keeps the ball as well as anybody. He doesn't lose it. You know what I mean? He um, he keeps the game ticking over. So he's an absolutely fantastic football player. Like yes, like from like you know. So there's absolutely no um, no um. Like, he's not been helped by like I think what Mark and Michael and you lads have all touched on. He's been running about with guys that haven't been put in a shift, and so he's having to do do their work. You know yes. what I mean? So yes. it, it, that'll have a detrimental effect on anybody's performance. You look at the Barcelona team back in the day, right? See if you had Xavi and Iniesta, but then you had Busquets. Yeah, but see if Busquets just decided to swan about and no play football, then those other two wouldn't have looked as good. So it's a team game. You rely on others to do yes. it as well. You know, you, you you can't play. You can't be a nine out of ten every week. You need other guys to pull, help you out and arc in. So, folks, uh, that's it for tonight. My thanks to Michael again for coming on the show. Uh, Jonas, thanks for having pleasure us. Cheers. Having you on, I'm sure we'll have you on next season for Celtic and Dundee United. Uh, next season. Yeah, I'll come on and give a wee preview or something uh, before we play each other or something like that. Yeah, That'd be good. definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Come on before that, Jonas, you can come on here any time you just fancy having a chat or that about anything about Scottish football. You're more than welcome. You've been fantastic, mate. Honestly, thanks nah, for that, Jonas. Uh, cheers for having us on, lads, eh? Oh, more than welcome any time, honestly. Just let Mikey know if you're just if I'm coming on live and you're just sitting about and you want to come on for a blather. You're more than welcome, mate. As I say, you've been fantastic. Thanks very much, Jonas. Nobody's appreciated that, Mark. Cheers. I've managed to, the whole the whole podcast to Dundee guys. The word Ken never came out once. I'm just thinking, Jonas, just before we finish up the show, and that have you ever seen Bendy Water? <laughs> no. Uh, go and Google it. Google it. Right. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I'm getting stitched up here somehow, but I'll go and find it. Stop. <laughs> if it's good enough for Lee Griffiths, it's good enough for you. All right, okay. <laughs> so, folks, that's it for tonight uh, from myself. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks again to Michael and Jonas for coming on. Uh, Mark, off to yourself. Just thanks very much again, Paul, for everything you do. Mikey and Jonas, again, you were brilliant tonight. Very welcome. Thanks very much for everybody that joined us in live chat. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. And if you've not subscribed, please do so and mind and hit that like, the like. Right. God bless, lads. Hail, hail. Good night. Cheers, lads. See ya. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumors TV YouTube channel. 